uh, welcome to episode 30 of Northern Invasion Podcast. Uh, it's just me tonight, Scott Smith, um, the other three co-hosts, uh, as I was just saying to the guys here, sounds like they're hanging their heads in shame and are too too scared to come on and talk about last weekend's results, so we'll do it in their uh, in their absence in the meantime. So um, tonight's a bit of a special show, we've got um, guys here from uh, Team Northern Ireland from Six Nations, so hopefully hopefully it's the first of a few post-Six Nations shows, I'm not sure yet, we'll see how it goes. We'll definitely do a a show with us talking about Scotland uh, and how we got on and what we can maybe learn from this year and the last couple of years. Um, I'd love to get Sweden on actually and talk. I don't know if those guys would, if if they if they listen, <laughs> it'd be cool to get them on. They've been doing rather well. Um, Ireland have got their own podcast. They've 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 blithered on about that already. I've heard Mick talking about it, so <laughs> we'll leave them be. Uh, England have got their own podcasts and stuff yeah and and wales well less, less said about them the better they're they're england b basically so they, they barely have their own team so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're getting no air time no air time from me um anyway so just to uh, introduce the other guys here so it's three of the team northern ireland uh from this year's six nations we've got uh, pete pratt who is the captain for the third time and i guess you're sort of one of the pillars of Northern Ireland AOS scene? Uh, yeah, well, I don't know why Pillar, but <laughs> I uh, they can't get rid of me. So. <laughs> you do all the work. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> uh, we've got Dave Kane, who's also third Six Nations as well, I think, from memory. Um, and the destroyer of Facehammer 2018. <laughs> uh, and uh, we've got AJ, who was the coach, who I was just saying, I've not met him yet, actually, so uh, just say hello, AJ, I can't give you any witty comments oh, about you yet. <laughs> oh, no, that's right. Uh, I suppose coach is, is an overstatement, probably more a team fanboy, probably a better. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I, I, I had a stab at it last year when we were, in, when we were at Sterling, uh, mainly just so I could get some dice and a shirt, to be honest. Um, yeah, but it didn't, I don't think it did much else other than just write scores down. So um, <laughs> that's although, it. That was my job. Yeah. <laughs> although interestingly, maybe talk about it at the end. But I think it sounds like coaches were the most prevalent of all the years so far. Um, maybe in all the teams having one. It certainly looked that way. Um, anyway. I, I think it was only Wales and Sweden who didn't have uh, a coach. Uh, okay. Ireland had a coach, but it ended up playing for Wales. Yeah, <laughs> well, oh. that was the same as that was the same as Paul, <laughs> our coach. He he played game two or three uh, against England, um, yeah. and actually beat Ross Veal. <laughs> 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 he's he's now got a new nickname because of that. He's now well, Paul the Duca. He's now the Bazooka, just for <laughs> something to rhyme with the Duca. So. <laughs> I- I think he was quite happy with that from what yeah. I as well. It sounds like uh, I've not spoken to him properly yet, but yeah, quite a result. Particularly with an army he just picked up as well, so... Yeah. <laughs> Although it was filthy deepkin. But it did have a turtle, so it wasn't totally a uh, netlist. So. Anyway, so um, that's the three guys and myself tonight. Um, we were hoping to have Colin Cochran as well on, um, although he's mm-hmm. had to drop out just last minute, so... Um, it's just the three of us uh, and myself tonight. So, um, basically, we're just going to talk about uh, a little bit about Irish, Northern Irish Six Nations, uh, Northern, Northern Ireland scene, and we'll go through the Six Nations weekend and so well, well, we'll end with a little bit of chat about the future. But basically, just over to you guys, just 
to tell us a bit about Northern Ireland AOS and um, basically how, how the scene's grown, how, what's the sort of basics of it, how how's it put together, how's, how's it all run? Well, it's the scene as we are now uh, in the, the 2019s, vastly different than what it was in uh, 2017 whenever Donald first contacted us about potentially getting a team together for the first six nations. Yeah. Um, there were only maybe uh, six or seven people playing Age of Sigmar in the local clubs on a regular basis. Um, uh, most of us had sort of converted over from uh, 40k rather than fantasy. Oh, okay. um, a lot of the old fantasy players had all moved on to Kings of War or Ninth Age. Um, but Donal uh, sort of got in contact with us and said that uh, you know Ben Curry had resurrected the idea of Six Nations and would we be interested in putting a team together. So um, we just got basically eight players that we could find, and, and that was the team the first year. Um, and off the back of that, uh, it sort of that generated interest within the local community. People seeing that it was happening, um, mm. and so it went from you know we, we would run events where we would have six or seven people show up for a one day tournament, um, and uh, I think our average now is about twenty four for a one day tournament, yeah. uh, and that's and that's basically capped at the capacity of the venue more than anything else. So yeah. um, it's really buzzing. Great, great. Um, yeah, we can't go any further without mentioning Donal as the uh, brackets unbiased TO of, the, <laughs> of last weekend. Did an excellent job um, at being unbiased, and yeah, he, he he deserves a mention in any sort of Northern Irish Warhammer, I guess. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. Um, good stuff. So, in terms of, so yeah, you mentioned you, for the first year it was just the eight players that you kind of got together, but at least you were a proper team of eight, which was. Which was good. Um, we we basically just made it as well. There was there wasn't a huge amount of uh, people to choose from. Um, England obviously did fine. Wales was a bit of a shambles, and they were just kind of marks from the local area. But in Ireland, where uh, I think they had one or two sort of semi-marked players as well the first year. Um, yeah, I think they they had, they brought six with six over in the first year. Six um, one, yeah. And then they had um, they had a, at least a, a seventh was an Irishman who happened to live in London that Donal knew. Yeah. Um, and then Matt Hinton, I believe, played for them yeah, uh, in the first right. year as well. That's right. I, I played him when he was uh, in the, in the first year. That's right. Um, so in terms of how it all fits into your scene, uh, Six Nations with 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 us, it's it's probably the sort of one of the driving forces. Really, it's almost like the the pinnacle, the focus of the kind of competitive guys year. Is to certainly now is to target the Six Nations. Is is that similar with you guys? Is it? Is it? Yeah. Everything kind of built around that. Yeah, it seems it certainly seems to be. I'm I'm probably one of the newest players into six uh, into the AOS. Um, and uh, I've I, I remember the guys going to that first year, and um, I was still at that time trying to scrabble an army together. Um, out of a load of old nonsense from that I had left over from from fantasy battle. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> after that first year, the scene really did grow. Um, uh, to the point where it is now, where our rankings, everyone is quite focused. When you go to the tournaments uh, now, you you know you kind of see that people are kind of looking at where they need to come, 
on how that's going to improve their ranking and, yeah. and where that's going to you know kind of push it up because it's almost become um, not just about getting onto the Six Nations team but about how you can improve year on uh, year in year and it kind of culminates whenever that season finishes. Yeah. Um, Pete actually runs a tournament at the end of uh, every kind of season, which is like the last chance, your last chance to kind of improve your rating and get on the team. Oh, okay, cool. So what sort of um, calendar do you sort of run then for the rankings, things like that? We've we, we've gone sort of calendar year, um, and really year one was last year, uh, and we, we finished up with our sort of Masters in December, and then we reset in January and keep going. So it's, it's not perfect for Six Nations, but it, we end up sort of struggling or straddling two kind of rankings years and sort of working out that way. But how, do you, how does it work with you guys? It, it runs from uh, the start of February through to the end of the, the next January, so it's it's it will be better probably to do it calendar year, but um, mm. it just that just happens to be the way that it worked out from whenever we first started trying to generate some kind of rankings because we had, there was nothing in place. Yeah, um, we basically just took the system that our forty um, k etc team use. Um, and just ported it over, and we literally started, you know, counting and working it out in in the February, which is why we run February to February. Yeah, yeah. Um, no other reason than that. Yeah, <laughs> and it, but it still does leave a few months um, to get things kind of set and maybe start looking at strategies, lists, and armies, and you know, give, it does give you more time. Um, mm. I think we're getting better year on year. You know, year one was very much the Wild West in, in terms of Six Nations, and it was just. Let's get eight guys and, and some armies. We, we, we certainly were pretty, uh, pretty loose about it all, um, and it was more, I guess, with the restrictions year one and two, but having one of each grand alliance as well that made it. Um, you know, I think the death player was the kind of water carrier year one maybe. Um, last last year was probably destruction, and and, and this year with, with with no limit in place, it was a bit a bit freer, I guess. Uh, well, the fact that all the factions. You know, have at least one race done now. Yeah. Um, you don't really need that in place anymore. You know, there was there was gets players, there was death players, destruction order. Whereas year one and two, uh, there wasn't any death or destruction books. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think it's I think it's been the right move. I was kind of against it, um, just from a sort of I don't know OCD point of view. But when you really think of, <laughs> sit down and think about it, it, it does make a lot more sense. I think so. Um, another good thing that Donald did. So well done, Donald. Um, so in, in terms of the, the, the NI scene, I, obviously Northern Ireland is not, not hugely different sized in terms of, I guess, well, I'm not sure about the total population size, but the, you're, not, you're not too different to Scotland. You know, we're, we're the smaller uh, brothers to kind of England's huge, huge uh, AOS scene. Um, yeah. How how local are you guys to each other, and where's the sort of focus of play? Is, is there one is there one particular area, or is it? Do you find are you guys travelling around a fair bit, or how, how does it all kind of work out? Well, so far it's sort of mainly been contrast uh, uh, based around Belfast and uh, North Down. Uh, we uh, there's a, a club that we kind of mainly all play in. Um, it's it's now in Bangor, and everybody would travel there for practice games. Um, but we're, we're only talking, you know, sort of most people are only driving 25 minutes, half an hour. All right. Um, okay. So it, it is. It is all fairly localized. We've actually been something I've been quite keen to try and do this year is reach out 
sort of beyond Belfast to sort of some of the like sort of the very north of the country up towards Coleraine because they have a, a really nice gaming club up there. There's guys yeah. interested in getting started. We want to try and get them involved. Oh, good um, and then the other thing as well is we've been a, we've had a lot of really good uh, cross border work going on with the guys down south. Um, they've been coming up to our events. We've been going down to their events. Um, and you know it, it helped the numbers of the events uh, rise over the past couple of years um, by having that you know a, a supporting each other but it's got to the point now where the, you know the, the, the events are actually selling out and we're finding difficulty getting space in their events and vice yeah. versa yeah and no, it's, it's definitely it's definitely growing, growing across the board we've, we've seen the same here we a couple of years ago we were looking at 20 happy to get 20 for one day um, which oh <clears throat> At common ground it's, it's sort of focus for us um now we're we're running two-day events that are hitting 50s so uh, and, and you know that's yeah. that's really sort of max we can take a common ground um and it's, it's cool to see like the guys like paul doing the the ulster open in august i think it is yeah yeah, that's that's actually been one of the biggest changes this past year. As I, I've I've run events for the past two or three years, but I've always been very focused at just getting the local player base involved and playing amongst ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but when Paul came in, he had such you know really big ideas about putting Northern Ireland on the map as far as events were concerned. Um, so he wanted to go out and actually draw people into Northern Ireland from outside. So he ran Warlords at the start of the year. Um, there was, uh, you know, oh, yeah, 56. The, the team one. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, it was great. We had teams over from England uh, and, and teams up and down south. And then uh, it's, it's definitely the biggest single Age uh, uh, Sigmar-based event that has, there has been on that in the whole yeah. of Ireland. Um, and then he's like you said, he's doing the uh, the open here in in August, and uh, I think it's looking at a, a, a sellout as well. It's those sixty odd people, so oh, good, um, good. you know he's the that's been something I definitely wouldn't have thought of doing. So it's great to have other tournament organisers come in and trying to step things up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it does help to have a, a pool of guys sort of pushing it along. It's uh, it's definitely the case over here. Um, we've there's there's maybe half a dozen of us that are running events uh, regularly so it's well in, in the calendar year and th- th- there's sort of a rota of things now that we're all familiar with you know it's oh it's july it must be this event coming up blah blah yeah um so that's good but yes but paul, paul's certainly an outgoing guy and he he certainly fits that uh <laughs> fits that role well you know <laughs> and we've also we've, we've also um the irish team they're running uh uh i can't remember the name of it is it the gt the RBGT? yeah yeah, yeah. In uh, in October, so that I mean, it's because we are such a small, you know, nation. It's nice to have somewhere that if you can't get across the across the water to England, it's also nice to have more things just on the same island. You uh-huh. know. Yeah, definitely. Um, we, we need to work harder at linking kind of Scotland and Northern Ireland and and Ireland. Yeah. Um, Although I think there's been a few few people over from Scotland to the Open uh, event. Um, yeah, there is. There's a few guys signed up. There's, there's definitely about mm-hmm. half a dozen um, off the top of my head. Um, few, mm-hmm. few, n- none of the guys from the team, actually, I don't think. But And that's that's something we'll come back to, I think, because we're talking yeah. about maybe maybe how to how to improve our shoddy performance over the weekend. We've, we've had lots of discussions and lots of ideas, um, and we're just kind of going to do a little review. Once the dust settles and the blood the blood calms a bit, um, do some sensible thinking. So, uh, but yeah, we've got a few ideas, and, and one of them is certainly to sort of play more, play more team events. It's probably the one thing that's missing in our sort of year. Um, 
and there's, there's obviously plenty of events out there to, to try and hit one of them being yeah. the, the Irish one but cool so it's uh it sounds like quite a tight little community so that's pretty good you, it, it seems like that's reflecting the team as well so um looking through this year's kind of army list there's there's certainly names that are familiar to me from the last two years uh and a couple of new guys but um i guess it's a pretty tight kind of I don't know, top eight, top ten is it you've got out there? Yeah, I would say it's, I mean, this year is probably going to shape out to be a very tight top 14 or 15. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, I mean, I think there's a couple of players that will definitely run away with things near the top end of, of uh, the the rankings table, but then sort of from fourth down through twelfth, um, it, it should be fairly tight. Um there's a you know every, because everybody's playing against each other and practicing against each other all the time. Everybody's dragging the general overhead, overall standard up. Yeah. Um, and um, you know well, I'm, I'm, I'm like nice traveling over to England as well. So yeah. Uh, I think last year was you know three or four of the guys in over England and the rest were just sort of using scores from here. And then because of the uh, lower amount of people at it, the scores were less. But now you know we sent. Good 15, 16 over to Bobo, including down south. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The recent, uh, we've yeah. had a few guys go over to the the heats as well. Yeah. Um, and I think there's six of us going to London GT. Oh, yeah, okay. No, you guys are putting legwork in, definitely. I mean, it's showing. It's definitely showing. I think that's the... It's almost like the kind of Scottish Premier League football uh, <laughs> versus the English <laughs> Premier League. We, we've, we've got our own little thing going up here, and we've, we've, we've maybe kind of become a little bit, uh, you know... What's the word? Uh, we're aware of what goes on down south, and we do mm-hmm. we do travel. I've been you know I've been down to Heat too, and guys, plenty of guys went to Bobo and stuff. But I think because our scenes kicked on, we've you've kind of got more of a concentration on that than uh, yeah. maybe going down to mix it with the big boys, you know. So especially as you're trying to grow the scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a kind of double-edged sword, you know. You you work hard uh, and it grows, but then there's only so many events that everyone can go to. So yeah. But there's events everywhere. I mean, that's, that's that's the main kind of bottom line. Is it's, it's absolutely exploding just now. I mean, AOS is 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 in a fantastic place. Yeah, yeah it, you can't go a weekend without seeing results from some events somewhere in the world. Yeah, um, uh, you know, and, and big events as well. Constantly, you know, getting bigger. So it's it's great to see. Yeah, yeah. So coming down to your team, you talked about how you put it together, kind of how it fits into your scene. It's 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 sort of one of the driving forces. Um, so. I guess we're touching about what sort of prep do you guys do coming into this year? You're obviously talking about it from sort of February time as having the team settled, January, February time. Um, were you working before then? Um, look, get, getting practice done or what, what sort of prep did you guys sort of put into this year? Well, we're, I mean, because of the, the a lot of us living quite close together, we're always getting plenty of practice in and uh, for quite a few of us we only get the chance to maybe get across the Six Nations as I, I don't unfortunately get the chance to get across with my job yep. to play in some of the uh, sort of the heats or the likes of Bobo so Six Nations for me is a, a you know something I really look forward to every year um, so we're, we always have an eye on it um, and uh, I know I always think from, from a point of view of, of writing my lists from a, a team perspective um, 
because I, I run a lot of the tournaments, I don't get to play in a lot of our local tournaments. So uh, I've never really been too worried about um, also being captain as well. I don't need to qualify for yeah. the team. I'm automatically <laughs> on the team. So it means whenever I'm practicing, I can sort of not to, not worry too much about trying to get ranking points. I can practice yeah. you know, building well. lists for a team environment. Uh-huh. And lot, I think that, that makes a big difference. There's a lot to be said for uh, that. Yeah, and I know, um, you know, one of the sort of the regular guys that um, I would play with all the time, uh, Robbie. Um, he uh, he always has a mind to how he can build a list for a team environment as well. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of his lists tend to be very heavily skewed to do a thing, um, um, and because we're practicing in that environment, I think it's helped us this year. Well, that was, um, that was my next question: was do you have lists and player strategies going into it? We've I think we've not quite embraced that fully yet. Our, our lists, I still think, um, even this year, we're, we're still almost like eight singles lists. There was there was a little bit of, um, you know, the KO choice was definitely there for the team environment. Um, <clears throat> but other than that, it was almost just like singles lists that you'd see at any event. Um, you've, so you guys have gone pretty heavily into that sort of strategy before it then? Uh, year one and two, we sort of suffered the same, where everyone, you know, was bringing their singles lists, mm. uh, looking at parents, you know, from that sort of perspective. Um, I know the first two years I brought sort of a all comers, just where I'll just take the parents as they go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this year, no, it was definitely more because we had the team event earlier year the Paul ran. Yeah. So everyone, you know, that weren't necessarily on the team or done that in the, in the past, they got to practice it and see it in person. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a good idea, I think. Um, yeah. And in terms of, uh, so right, so writing your lists, have you, you, you've gone for the total team strategy, basically. You've, I guess you've got, like, maybe holding lists. I mean, Pete, Pete we'll come to your list. We'll, we'll talk about your list in a second. But, um, you know, I guess the Sylvaneth, for example, it's, 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 there, it's a strong team list. It's one drop. You can frustrate people potentially with it. And, you know, four, four of the teams had Sylvaneth, albeit they're all a little bit different. They're all one drop. Uh, yeah, my my list was definitely designed as a kind of a defender list. It was definitely designed to be able to go in, um, uh, you know, and not have too many horrible, horrible, hard matchups or hard counters um, take on anything. And I spent quite a bit of time practicing against the likes of the Gristle Gore lists and the uh, mm. the Daughters of Cain lists from the point of view of trying to take those out of the equation for everybody else in the team. Yeah, yeah. You know, try, try and win the game and try and get the secondary <laughs> points out of it. Sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> and, uh, My dog just like, lost it. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think and Sylvanus, like you said, one one drop army, lots of tricks. Um, you know, you can frustrate people. Um, so uh, I, and I, I did the same last year to a certain extent with my Nurgle army as well. Um, and uh, so, so we then with the with Neil's army of the the uh, the, the Gloom Spike gets, we were trying to do a similar thing. It was a you know a list that would just frustrate people. Um, you know, jam up. Um, a bad matchup and try and get secondary points, um, and it left us free then to include the likes of uh, Robbie's deep in list or Dave's Legion of Blood list, which is one of the most brutal lists. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't I was going to say that's definitely um, definitely one of the attack dog lists of the. Yeah, and we you know, we can we can then try and focus them in to try and just you know smash certain matchups and try and get us big points. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it's been a obviously a successful singles list. Um, Face, face hammer you absolutely 
tore it up. Um, unlucky to suffer the kind of wrath of the judges towards the end, weren't you? But um, you know, yeah. <laughs> but Colin, yourself, and, and Donald, you, you know, that was th- that was that was almost the first sign of things. It was like, oh, hang on, these guys are, uh, are right up there. One of the big, big major sort of GTs. It was a okay. We knew Donald wasn't playing, but he's he's a kind of uh, mainstay of, of NIAOS, isn't he? We were waiting sort of for the last scenario, round five, when we yeah. were all sitting around the top table. When I turned around, looked at Colin and was like, anything bar escalation. <laughs> I mean, how, how, how often would you have played Colin in a game, do you think? Colin would be, would be my most opponent. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, even even then, he barely won. So Yeah. And you still took him off, I think, didn't you? Pretty much. Sorry? You still took him off. I mean, like t- almost pretty much tabled him. I think, didn't you? Yeah, end up tabled him. He killed the ten uh, zombies, <laughs> uh, but he won the priority and scored one point, which means I couldn't get ahead. So uh... <laughs> I made him sit there and take it. <laughs> but I mean, on, on the back of seeing your list, uh, Liam and Nathan up here, they, they were both inspired to. Well, yeah, they come up to me after the prizes and like, can you have my list? And I was like, well, I don't really want you to have it, but it's all public knowledge, so. <laughs> it's too late now. Um, so they, Nathan ran with it for a, for a few months just before. Yeah, I uh, played him last weekend. He was telling me. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, he's he's played a ridiculous number of games with his deepkin since uh, since turning it. Then I guess he started towards the end of the year and he he, he won the Masters with it. Yeah. Um, and then he. That, that list, I think he's played something like, oh god, 60 games with it at least, maybe more, just this, this year. Mm. He's really been hammering it. But, um... I, think, I think the key thing to uh, Dave's list is that, uh, it, yes, it's you know it's really brutal, it's got all that killing power, but the thing that makes it really good in his hands is just how frustratingly good he is at using those direwolves. Um, on, on, the, on the objective play, like the number of times that I've played him and... Uh, you know, thought I'd dealt with the dragons and was comfortably going to win the game, only to lose because of you know one direwolf just not dying. Um, you know, it's, I think uh, I think that's one of the most funny things is as coach this year, I was able to go over to tables and look at the tables and see right, okay, well I think they're not doing so well or they're doing really really well. I just couldn't tell what was going on on Dave's table at all. <laughs> Yeah, there's He'd have both zombies still alive, and I'd say to him, how's it going? And he'd go, oh, it's not going good. And then on the flip side, I'd go over, and he'd have like three dogs left, left and he'd be, yeah, I'm doing great. <laughs> so I, I had, there was no way I could tell how that game was going. <laughs> Right, so we've been talking lists a lot, so just a quick run through of, of the lists, um, just so we're not boring folk talking about something they don't have a clue what we're talking about. But <laughs> if, if you look on um, like the AOS 6 Twitter, there's a link to all the, the, the list document that's still live. I've just clicked through it there just to get the PDF up. So <clears throat> we'll just go through the order here. So Pete, you're first, so you're Sylvaneth, you're running a, a gnarl route, one of the old faithfuls from, from AOS 1. Um, so you had Alariel, Tree Lord Ancient, Branch Witch, Branch Wraith, uh, 2010, 10 of dryads, two times five, tree revs, um, and the household within the null route, and a bunch of endless spells, uh, cogs, geminids, quicksilver swords, and, and grave tide. Um, that that was 2k. That got you a couple of command points, so nice one drop, and I guess uh, quite a few spells to chuck around as well. That's the main idea. Yeah, yeah. In an ideal world, that that uh, grave tide would swap out for a palisade, but. Um... 
with it being a team, we couldn't duplicate the spells. And uh, Neil wanted the policy, and I'd already told him no whenever he wanted Geminids. So <laughs> I, I thought I'd throw him that bone. Um, a... <laughs> so, uh, the, yeah, so the Grave Tide went in instead. I don't think I actually used it once. No, I used it against um, the, the Swedish team, but I think uh, I only cast it once the entire tournament. Yeah, that's, that's, that's some good captain skills there. Take take with one hand and give with the other. I like it. I like it. <laughs> um, so second on the list is Dave uh, with your Legion of Blood. So you've got again. We talked about this last time with Donal. He I think he loves it as well. Um, <laughs> did, it, it, did he do a goblin version of it as well? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> after Blood Tide this year, he came up to me and was like, "I'm gonna make your list." <laughs> no worries. So uh, sort of ever since then, between then and Bobo. Every day it's all messing. Oh, how do I deal with that situation? Or you know, why would you deploy here? <laughs> uh, good stuff. So, he, so you've got uh, Neferata, Legion of Blood, obviously. Um, <clears throat> two Vampire Lord and Zombie Dragons, one with uh, Dimensional Blade, one with Doppelganger Cloak. Um, the spells in there are obviously important as well. Pinions for speed. Um, Vile Transference and the other one. Actually, you've got a, uh, the Palanquin's got Vile Transference as well. So those four make up the court of New Lamia, and you've got battle line: five wolves, five wolves, and ten zombies. So you're eighteen ninety with three command points. So yeah, uh, nice and simple. What's it? A four drop. Um, four drop. And off you go. It's just a just a smash and grab list, is it? See, that's what everyone keeps uh, calling, and a lot of people fall in that trap. It <laughs> can. Um, but I would say about seventy percent of my games, I don't. Oh, really. Um, so you always hear Paul when he was on it, talking about it, it's been a two-turn list, where <laughs> <laughs> you know you just pop all your command abilities and just run at them. Yeah. Um, and a lot of games that doesn't work because either um, you can't swarm the objectives, you can't control your own objectives, or you know you just get surrounded with summons and things like that. Um, so it's actually quite defensive in nature. Um, so with Neff's 15-inch uh, command ability uh, of the minuses to hit. You've yeah. got um, the three upstairs and the two dragons. You get Doppelganger in there, um, and the Neff spell is uh, fly and ignore rend. So if you can get yourself sort of in a position where, say, someone comes at you with a high amount of rend, and all of a sudden there's a dragon there with three up rear on one, no rend, and then he hits back, <laughs> yeah, rend three and goes left half that unit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I find sort of. Perfect example. Play Paul Blood Tide, and he was he goes to me at the start. Oh, uh, comes down to a roll off. He won the roll off. He turned around to Colin's like, "Oh, I got this." Colin looked, and he was like, "Has he got this?" And I was like, "He was going first either way." <laughs> uh, he came in. I had screened off with the dogs. Um, previous plan I'd done for Adam Kunis's uh, order to if ever come up. Um, works the same for Dressagor, so it gets their monsters into your lines, um, but you're completely stopping them from hitting your monsters at all. So when he came flying and he left all about a line, he had me at minus two, and then with the shooting and the magic, I left the Neferat off, and then combat just left the dragons. That was that. <laughs> <laughs> it took about five minutes. <laughs> nice. Good stuff, right? Um, so we'll keep going. So we'll, Colin's next, his, Colin Cochran, his daughter's a cane list. Uh, Hagnar, he's, he's been playing Daughters for, for a long time, isn't he? Um, he was, I, I remember he was on Stormcast last year at, at Six Nations, but ever since then I think I've seen him on Daughters. 
Yeah, I think uh, that was mainly because he didn't have the daughters painted in time for last uh, year. Well, probably for the best of everybody else, but um, <laughs> so, so he's uh, he had Slaughter Queen on Cauldron, he had Marathi, two Hag Queens, and a Medusa. Uh, 30 Witch Elves, 30 Witch Elves, both with Bucklers. He's, he's certainly an advocate of the Bucklers. Um, and 10 Witch Elves with, just with uh, pairs of knives and two fives of Life Takers. So that's part of the Cauldron Guard. Um, so yeah, fairly kind of straightforward daughters list, but like Donal was saying, everyone had one, so you were stupid not to take mm. one. Yeah, and everyone's starting to bring uh, Marathi now as well. Just, yeah. You know, no Gresselgore, you're not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that, that that list kind of speaks for itself, really, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Still, still strong, but still, but very useful. Um, one another interesting one. So Chris Case Junior, he was he was he was he was on uh, last year's team, wasn't he? Um, and he, he was. was yeah. He was. I remember his birthday was the big, was the weekend of the last Six Nations. Uh, yes, that's right. In Scotland, and he was what fifteen or sixteen or something. I can't forget now. But. I think he was 14 last year, he was 15 this year. Wow, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, and he had his each last year. I remember he did really well last year as well. And people, you know, t- talking to his dad and you guys at the time, he was like, yeah, he's he's, he's a very, very, very good player. Um, and he, so he's Stormcast list this year. He had uh, Lord Arcanum, Lord Castellan, Lord Ordinator, Lord Relictor. 20 sectors, uh, 5 sectors, 5 liberators, 10 evocators, and 10 skinks, and then 4 ballista. So he's very much a kind of blast things list and well it's just I don't know I've not played anything I've not played against a sort of multiple ballistic list yet myself to be honest but is it is it in there for shooting or is it is it a bit of multi-purpose it it's multi-purpose the the ballistas are very swingy um you'll have turns where they just lift half an army you'll have you'll have turns where it'll do nothing um and a lot of people have have sort of grouped that list into shoot cast um, type uh, um, stereotype, but it's not really a shooting storm cast list. It, it it was it was one of our all round lists um, rather than it being a uh, a shooting list as such. But because it had the shooting element, a lot of people looked at it as being a shooting element, and it took a lot of people by surprise. I think. Yeah, yeah. I seen the four blasters in the ordinator, and they were like, "Oh, shooting list." Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm just trying to find out. We did a little bit of uh, kind of number crunching post uh, Six Nations last week. I was looking at this because um, Donald was kind of sending the spreadsheet, so I was just kind of having a quick look at it during a quiet afternoon at work. Um, and uh, Chris had something like 18 out of I don't know, uh, was it 18 out of 20 secondaries or something like that. He was he was one of the, the top scorers in terms of like, yeah getting his secondaries the whole weekend. It was it was quite amazing. Uh, yeah. It's for 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 somebody so young. He is amazingly focused on scenario play. Um, and whenever we talk before the tournament, I sort of talked to everybody about the importance of focusing on secondaries, and he uh, he really took that in and uh, really brought it home. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's good. I'm just trying to find the thing. I'll, I'll keep looking for it. I'll find it in a second. But so that's that's his list of Stormcast. Uh, just scroll down to page two. So yeah, Robbie Wright. We talked. You mentioned him before. He, he was running Deepkin, uh, Dom Hain list. See so the Achillean King, two Soul Scryers, um, and then a Wad of Eels. So twelve, a six, and a six of the Morsar Guard. Um, ten Thralls, ten Eternal Guard, ten Eternal Guard. I guess just for some bodies. Um, so he's bang on two Kane, zero command points. So he, that's just a kind of a fairly standard-ish eels list. 
Uh, yeah, I think the 12 slightly unusual, but mm. um, I, uh... Most people have the 12 split into the other two units. Sure. So it'll be like 996 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, uh, he, he had very strong reasons for going with the 12, um, just uh, to have that one big unit, you know. Um, it means he could go into the likes of a Gristle Gore Dragon and you know, with good positioning he had tricks for, you know, um killing it and then, you know, being able to uh pull casualties away whenever it strikes when it dies so that it can't pile in twice and things like that. Um it's something that he kinda of developed. Um and then the the I really like the Eternal Guard on the list as well. Um, it, it means he has bodies to sit on the objectives while the Eagles can go out and do their work and he doesn't have to worry about trying to hold stuff back. Yeah, 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 totally. Plus makes... they're cheaper than the Thralls and then cover. You know, they're not too easy to shift either. Alright, so do they get their own benefit of cover? I've not really looked into them. but Yeah, I believe if they're in cover they get plus two. Oh, do they? Because they wouldn't get the kind of tighter things on the tide, would they? No, but they, they also get to re-roll uh, saves if they're in cover as well. Um, yeah, so the, I, think, I think in cover they can be on a three up re-rolling ones and twos, which is pretty good. <laughs> wow, nice, nice. Um, we'll talk about who did how well everybody did at the end um, in terms of wins and stuff. But Robbie was certainly up there from I had a quick look at it tonight, so he was mm-hmm. he was doing really well. Um, Onto the Skaven list again. Every team had one. So Stephen Mitchell, he had uh, Warpseer, kind of usual loadout. Um, Deathmaster, which was the kind of nice, interesting tweak here. Uh, Warlock Bombardier, Gracier, Forty Clan Rats, Forty Clan Rats, Twenty Clan Rats. Nine Storm Fiends. Again, the only team to take Storm Fiends, um, other than like Plague Monks or anything else. And Vortex, obviously, and Shackles. Again, that, that pairs up nicely. So he was 2,000 points, zero command points. Um, any particular thoughts on this list? What the sort of layout of this one? Uh, well, this list was basically... The, it was originally written by uh, Michael Brock, who was, was on the first the team for the first two years, and unfortunately Six Nations fell on his first wedding, wedding anniversary this year. <laughs> okay. uh, so that ruled him out. Um but uh, Stephen, you know, Mike very kindly offered to lend the army to Stephen to bring, and uh, it was basically Mike's answer to Gristlegore. Um, whenever Dave started playing Gristlegore locally, Mike wanted something to answer it, and uh, right. the uh, you just realised that when you combine the nine storm fiends along with more and more war power, um, and the, uh, the 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 warpstone tokens, um, it just made them very very efficient. Um, so it was it was our out and out shooting list. Okay. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, I was surprised we didn't see more storm things. Um, the, uh, like you said, the plague monks are such an obvious choice. So, you know, people don't really look past them too much at the minute. Yeah, yeah. And there's yeah, there's at the moment there's a lot of choice in that book. That's as filthy as the next thing. But we'll see how that mm-hmm. changes in the next few weeks. Um, the Deathmaster with the gnaw bomb, that was something that we were looking at going, what the hell does this do um, when the lists first dropped, you know? Yeah, it, it basically just gets the, um, the Storm Fiends into a position where they can work. Um, you'll turn one if they have to. With the, the Gatling can, the Gatling guns are only 12-inch range, so um, you basically skitter leap the Deathmaster forward and he turns a terrain piece into a temporary gnaw hole. Um, and your uh, storm fiends then teleport through that 
um, and they're set up to alpha strike. Uh, you know, if, if you happen to get the right conditions for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's nice, nice idea. Cool. So on to uh, second last one, Neil Montgomery. Again, you've mentioned this briefly already, but he was the Gits player, one of the two. Or, aye, only two gets players, I think, in the Six Nations, much to Donald's disapproval. But um, so he was running Scragrot, the Loon King, a Loon Boss on Mangler, Squeg, Web Spinner, Shaman, two Fungoids, uh, 20 Shooters, 40 Stabbers, 40 Stabbers, uh, all with bits and pieces in there, 10 Boring Rot Bounders, 6 Snufflers, 5 Loon Smasher Fanatics, and he had four spells Pendulum, Palisades, Cuttle Tide, and the Malevolent Moon. So, yeah. He's as you mentioned. He's there to just frustrate people, I guess. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's also written into our constitution. Um, since Donald was involved, you're <laughs> one that we we have to have a gets list. Um, there has to be some form of grot in the team every year. Um, so uh, uh, whenever Donald uh, said he was going to be doing TO this year, I was actually quite sad we weren't going to have um, uh, the destruction list there. So. Um, when Neil started playing the army, I was really glad, um, uh, and uh, he was following on from what Donald had been doing with his grots um, last year, with the just stacking the negative hit modifiers, and you're just playing the board control and frustrating people. So yeah, um, but without the ninety-six uh, damage or whatever it is. <laughs> yes, without ninety-six damage. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was madness. But anyway, no, yeah, good list. Um, I, 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 I'm not sure who we did off the top of my head, but I've got the table sitting here. But uh, we'll come to that later. And the last one, of course, the all uh, ever present Gristle Gore. Well, not on every list. Wales weren't going; they didn't take any effect this year. They've got their own their own version of it, kind of. But David Robinson, he was running Gristle Gore. Uh, so this had uh, Ghoul King on Terrorgeist with the usual loadout, uh, gruesome bite, blah blah. He had a Zombie Dragon Ghoul King with the brooch, uh, two Arch Regents, and a. Gas Courtier, along with three times ten ghouls in the Ghoul Patrol, and the Chalice and the Barricade uh, for eighteen fifty. Four command points. Um, fairly standard-ish kind of Gristle Gore list. There's nothing much to argue with there, is there really? Yeah, I think the only thing missing really there was the corpse cart. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah, we love we love uh, we love the corpse cart up here. JP was championing that for for a few months. Um, <laughs> and it was he was being almost pushed to sort of not take it for the extra drop he's very adamant, he's like no, honestly the plus one to cast is, is so useful um, for the spells that you really really need to, to happen, you know Spectral yeah. Ghost or the D3 attack or whatever but um, yeah, so the, I, I guess the only thing maybe missing as well was the Ghoul King you see that in like Tony's list, he runs the one Ghoul King instead of double Arch Regent just for an extra <laughs> extra plus one attack spell I guess but yeah I mean it, it does what it does um, I've, I've been I've had a couple of games with list pretty much similar to this although I use double terror guys just because I've only got two of them but I found that just in particular that the, the barricade I, I love the barricade it's it's fantastic um, just for dropping in and frustrating people's movement it's it's it, it, until I cast it and put it on the table I was like didn't really see the point in it but then when you put it down you're like oh this, this is really annoying <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, and there's no argument with the chalice either. It's just such a strong, yeah, strong spell. Yeah, I mean, everyone takes it. I, str- I, again, I've I've kind of struggled to get the best out of it, but I'm, <coughs> there's reasons for that. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not the best. Dave, uh, Dave's always he's always done well with it with it against me. <laughs> yeah, I always seem to I always seem to get his his uh, uh, 
general down to like the last couple of wins and then he just pops the chalice and frustrates me. Rolls those four ups. <laughs> Good stuff. So that's the that's the eight lists. Um so just one last bit of prep before it, but you again we're touching it briefly was the the pack this year was definitely the best pack of the three years. Um, obviously, f- the last two years are fed into it, and the improvements onto the sort of scoring system, um, where it's not just a twenty nil, basic, well, a binary twenty nil, um, effectively in most games, or uh, and the use of secondaries as well um, to kind of spread it out, give people something to play for. Was this was this something you I think you touched on it, but you you put a lot of work into this beforehand. Were, were you giving certain players certain uh, almost like roles as we'll just get your secondaries or was it in everyone's kind of back pocket to to, to really play for every every game I, I think in in retrospect we probably could have put more time into actually practicing with the secondaries and really focusing on them um we were aware that they were there and and um you know, especially Neil and myself, I, I tried to make make us aware that we, you know, we needed to try and get them from the role that we were trying to play in the team. Um, but um, as you're you're right, the, the, it was a great inclusion in the pack. Um, it gives people who are in bad matchups something to play for um, and a way to actually you know contribute to the uh, the score of the team. Um, again, in, in round one, um, Neil. Uh, managed to bring back eight points from a game that he lost, um, yeah. which is amazing, um, and uh, it's, it's, it it really helps make it more of a, a team environment by everybody being able to contribute those points. Uh, I'm just looking at the final table here, and you sc- you, you scored 96 secondaries out of well whatever that would be off the top of my head. I can't think what it is, but okay, England scored 107, but you you know you were you were fairly neck and neck with them the whole event. Uh, we were down in the 60s. As were Wales, uh, as were Republic, Sweden were up in the 80s. So, you know, there's a spectrum of, of there, uh, and it certainly had an impact on the on the total points. So it's, uh, yeah, something to keep your eye on. I don't think we did as much work into it either um, as as we should have done, um, and that, that was certainly telling in the, I think the early rounds as well. Particularly, we were we were struggling, but yeah, really interesting. Um, so onto the onto the games themselves. Finally, we'll start talking about it. Um, so the, the weekend itself. Uh, d- did you all travel down as, uh, as as eight guys together, or were you sort of in a couple of <laughs> couple of groups? Or yeah, so four of us travelled in the to, got took the boat. Um, Pete, per Pete, had to do all the driving, <laughs> um, which I'm sure wasn't that nice a uh, nice a feat. Given the three idiots that were in the car with him, um, <laughs> particularly when one finished off a bottle of Kraken five minutes into the uh, five minutes into the journey, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, so four of us travelled by car, and then the the other sort of uh, five um, uh, flew in. Oh, cool. So were you were you carrying all the armies, Pete? Then yeah, I think we had seven out of the eight armies. I think yeah. In, in the world's most overloaded uh, estate <laughs> car, <laughs> but it was but it was ripe after the weekend as well. <laughs> oh yeah, this <laughs> <laughs> <It> is fresh. <laughs> um, cool, right? So uh, we'll, we'll just go through it round by round briefly. Um, so if we get the get the spreadsheet out, but round one you were playing. Well, you can talk about it better than me. I'm just getting my sheet up. Who who are you playing round one? 
Sweden, Sweden. Uh, which was also our uh, first round last year as well, actually. Oh, was it? Okay. Um, yeah. And I, I, going going into it, it was actually one of the rounds that I was actually most concerned about as well because um, they uh, they're a really good team, uh, some really strong players. Yeah. And um, they 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 surprised us last year. Uh, we kind of got our our pairings a bit messed up. Um, so I, I spent a lot of time really looking at their pairings this year and on how we would go about it. So in, term, um, in, in terms of the matchups, I meant to ask us earlier actually, but in terms of the sort of matchup preparation that you'd done before the weekend had you uh, had you come in with a spreadsheet had, how would you sort of um scored it what was your sort of system that you'd used yeah we, we had a, a traffic light system of, yeah. of green amber and red uh, it's pretty common amongst most teams and i'd sent out spreadsheets for everybody to fill in um on how they rated themselves uh, both against uh, each of the team's lists but also um the scenarios and then the realms that they might be in in the scenarios as well, um, so that we could, uh, you know, look at the the combination of all three, uh, and try and find try and find weaknesses where you know if, if if one list was coming up red for a lot of people in a lot of scenarios, then we knew that was going to be a an issue, um, and somebody was going to have to bite the bullet um, and go under the bus on that one and it was trying to figure out who the best person to do that was in order to facilitate the best combination of matchups for everybody else so did you have a just to pick on your first point there did you have a a, everyone did a matchup for the versus every list independent of scenario and then you had a separate sort of table for scenarios itself then or was it Uh, it was kind of well, I, I sent out initially a table to everybody, which was like a grid, which was each list sure. on each scenario. Um, and then from that, we then fed it into a, a bigger spreadsheet, which sort of combined it all together. And uh, uh, it was a lot of information. Yeah. <laughs> I like guess, especially including the realms. The realms really. Um, yeah, I know. It's like a four dimensional. Some, some, uh, some of them weren't very impactful, but some of them were very impactful. Um, yeah, yeah. And. Um, they, you know, they, they they change the matchups quite a bit, but uh, I think I think it's the most work we've done so far out of the three years on the matchings. I mean, we didn't really do any in the year one. Um, so, uh, but last last year we did some, and this year we, uh, you know, with with the help of Dave and uh, and Robbie, you know, going into it and and Colin as well. You know, the, everybody had a lot of a great help um, on trying to get that sorted in advance, so that we were. Not just sitting down and then trying to think, uh, pairing by pairing, you know who, who's best for this, but also thinking two or three pairing rounds ahead, um, and, and knowing what the missions were per round. Um, yeah, this yeah. year made a big uh, help as well. Um, so uh, it, I knew across three of the rounds that there were going to be hero missions, uh, which are very strong for me. Um, so if the hero mission didn't come out for the first pairing or the second pairing, then we would we we knew we could hold me back to try and put me into yeah, the hero yeah. mission in later pairings. So uh, we we planned that ahead as much as possible. Good stuff, and you, you're pretty confident in the um, everyone's work put into the spreadsheet. Again, that's that's something we're looking at this year. Is perhaps everyone was maybe a little bit pessimistic on their spreadsheet and that 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 does kind of end up propagating through to the matchups um 
you know, I wasn't there, I can't comment too much on it, but uh, were you fairly happy with everyone's data? And, you know, I think it does help to get a good spreadsheet beforehand, definitely helps. Um, but it's only as good as to what people, if someone puts it as a green, then you've got to trust them it's a green. Uh, yeah, I think you've kind of got to filter the information they give you based on their personality. Um, <laughs> uh, like, I mean, they, uh, you ask Dave about his matchups, and he says, "Oh, yeah, I'm green on everything." <laughs> um, uh, but uh, you know, Robbie tends to be more conservative whenever he, he really shouldn't be. Um, yeah. But um, uh, you know, again, having Dave as vice captain was a great help there because you know he was able to. We looked at the results as the, or the information as it came in, and you know, uh, so the actual pairing grid wasn't that we used for the the actual pairings wasn't the exact information that was given to us. Oh, we took cool. the information that the players fed to us and then tweaked it here or there to what we thought was more realistic. Yeah, that's interesting. That's cool. And AJ, were you a big part of this as the coach, or were you? Um, to be honest, on the on the run up to the event, I didn't really have that much um, input. Um, and my wife and myself, we were going through IVF uh, on the weeks running up to the uh, tournament, so I was kind of all over the place. To be oh, honest, yeah, but gosh, yeah. um, the day, I think my my role was much more about um, sort of just taking the the paperwork exercise off the captain and, and the vice captain to kind of just let them concentrate on the parents and I was just kind of kind of keeping an eye on what was going on and, and that kind of thing and um, I think it was just I, I honestly don't know how Pete did all of that last year <laughs> you know, there's so much to be noting down and you know my, my head was fried just doing that one bit you know <laughs> yeah yeah no, I mean I, I, I... Just an aside, I, I kind of found out last year as well, and it was not as intensive. There was much more things to keep an eye on this year, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But yeah, no, that's interesting, and I think we'll see coaches to stay now, definitely. Um, yes, yeah. I, I think it, I think it's it's a it's really um, obviously I'd say this, but uh, I think it's a really useful thing to have on a team, uh, someone just to kind of. Uh, keep that information going. I I honestly thought I was just going to go and drink pints and yeah. tell everyone to work harder. Yeah. But uh, there was a lot more to it than I was expecting. Yeah, and 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 you're a built-in spare player as well. We 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 found that last year. I I dropped into game five because Nathan had to disappear. Yeah. But um, yeah. you know you've got insurance policy there as well. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, but anyway, so back to round one. So versus Sweden. Um, I'm just looking at the the table here on the spreadsheet so uh tldr you, you won this 99 to 61 so it, was a, it, it went well uh obviously you, you must have been happy with the pairings and everything how that went first of all uh yeah i think we came out of it really happy um i remember chatting to uh to uh, samuel afterwards and i think he uh they, they were actually really unhappy with how it went i think they they maybe got a bit caught out by it uh. um but yeah, I think the, generally everybody went into a matchup that they were they at least thought they could get some points out of. So any any particular stories from your from you two guys' games? I'm just looking at you. So Peter, you played Oscar and he had uh, Zinch List. Um, so I guess that's two that's two one drops fighting off there. Yeah, well, his was actually a two drop. I think oh, because he had, oh, the God Summoner. yeah, the yeah, God yeah. Summoner made it a two drop, which meant that I was always going to be going first. Um, to me, anyway, a Sylvanith on a, a hero mission, because it was three paces of par, um, going first, you're always fighting an uphill struggle against that. Um, 
because I just put uh, you know woods out onto the objectives, put three heroes onto the objectives, and one of them is a tree lord with a two up armor save, rerolling ones, ignoring round one. So it's yeah, it's not good anywhere. Yeah, and, and with the trees blocking line of sight now, it's harder to shoot them off or 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 even magic them off. So um, uh, the game basically was I had control of all three objectives, turn one, and he could really only effectively attack one of them um and you know the game was was over by turn two because i you know he, he wasn't coming back from that amount of points um although i think he was a he could have been a bit more aggressive with his enlightened um but uh the um the the luckily the scenery on the on the table didn't stop me from getting woods out where i needed to get them out good stuff so you start with a major win there <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I'm looking at the table here. You got 17 out of 20, so you got you must have got a couple of secondaries in there and your uh, your kill points as well. Uh, yeah, it's it. My my, it's very hard to get the one one of the secondaries was to to make sure your opponent doesn't kill a thousand points of your list. And uh, yeah, so, so this was interesting. I was I was listening to the Honest Wargamer coverage of it, and I, I can't which day. Maybe it was day two, but they were talking about he was t- talking about you and. Um, in your list, and it was, you kind of touched on the fact that you almost said your your, your plan of your one thousand point um, part of your list that you'd be you'd protect and keep it from and deny your opponent almost you know that's that, that's, that's built into your strategy. Yeah, well, I mean, Alariel and the Tree Lord alone are nine hundred points. Um, so if I can protect them and one of the other heroes. You know, I'm pretty much there, and with the ability to teleport from wood to wood. Um, and Alariel's own natural mobility. I can, you know, if I know I'm losing the uh, scenario and I just need them in ten points, they can just run and hide. Um, they're fairly durable. They're healing each other. Um, and the only points I'm really easily giving up on my list are the dryads. Um, you know, the tree revs can teleport all over the place as well. Um, and most of the dryads I'm throwing away if I'm sort of trying to fight a rearguard action like that or just summon dryads just the sort of little groups of, te- of 10 and they don't count towards kill yeah, points so yeah, yeah. Uh, good stuff so <coughs> Dave on your game one you're up against Samuel um, with daughters daughters yep yeah. were you happy about that well we had discussed it uh, me Pete and Colin a couple of days before and they were saying oh Jen can you take it because normally uh, I love playing daughters with that list uh, but I took one look at that and I was like, I can't reasonably give you an answer to that. <laughs> um, so similar to the rest of Daughter's List, except he sacrificed nothing to put Marathi in. So the rest of them, you know, they had uh, the formation. So oh, yeah. okay. had yep. less witches, but he was sitting the full block of three full blocks, uh, two witches, one sisters. Yep. He, had a hag, he had a hag for each, he had a cauldron, and then he had Marathi. Uh, so <laughs> nasty, nasty list. Um, so what, what, what mission was this one? You were, were you the same? Were you the three places? Three yeah. Places, yeah. Um, so game plan going under that was I'll take it because it'll be a good matchup for nobody. Uh, <laughs> um, game plan there was sort of get an Ephrata on the far left objective, put the Palanquin on the far right, and just send the dragons into both corners of his, and just try and hold them there for three turns until I've scored enough. Um, he clearly had researched my list, so his deployment was perfect. He had it all measured out and everything. So 
That was annoying. <laughs> um, yeah, I was I went into combat turn one, so you know before Witchbury and stuff. So, um, yeah, killed twenty eight witches in the first. That was his buckler witches. So twenty eight of them. Uh, then the other two fled from battle truck. Yeah, he's got, he's got, he's got um, no command points to help him out, is he? So no. Um, and then his turn one, uh, his uh, spell casting was on point. Nine was your cast on a twelve. Um, so it put it on one of the units and charged it uh, into the doppelganger dragon. So I know it was on the sisters. He charged the thirty sisters and the doppelganger dragon, and the last thirty which is the blades uh, into the lance dragon. Um, so I had a triumph and it was reroll saves. So he was like well, one hundred and thirty odd attacks because he got them all attacking. Um, oh. I think two damage went through after saves. <laughs> um, <laughs> But he also had, is it Martyr Sacrifice, where when you kill them on a 5-up, they explode on you. Ah, right, okay. So uh, I think I took like 9 damage from that. <laughs> God. So it traded it off. Um, but then I had to use Doppelganger there, because the Mind Razor would have just took that dragon apart. Yeah, yeah. Um, going into the next turn, I got priority. I was like, right, we can pull this back. Uh, then field every single spell. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, at that stage... Uh, got to combat and it was sort of right which side they want to clear so we had the sisters in combat with doppelganger uh, and Marathi there as well whereas on the other side he had the cauldron and the almost full strength of witches um, so just made a judgment call attacked the witches took a good bit of them out um, but then he left the doppelganger cloak uh, dragon and that was sort of went, sort of started going downhill from there yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, his secondary was get one of his heroes off the board so we were playing Ulgu, so he was able to teleport his hag, uh, nice. that was on one wound left, um, to my table edge, and then just in the battle shock phase, left her off immediately. Yep. So he got that one. Uh, second secondary was Sacrifice, so he picked one of his units, so Marathi. Um, if I kill her, he gets a secondary, and I had no intention of killing her anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I picked the same Sacrifice, but put it on my Lance Dragon, so he had to kill him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you got a couple of points there. That's, yeah, and the second one I picked was an enemy unit field of battle shock test. Cool, so you ended up with a major loss, a couple of points there. Um, um, that was There was a bit of a, um, a query over that one after the game, actually, because um, we thought we had sacrificed, but then the, because the dragon hadn't been killed by a monster or a hero, then we, we lost a couple of points off that. Um, oh, right, okay. So, but, but, but we, we, yeah, I think, I think you, you ended up eighteen uh, two on that one. Could be wrong. Yes, it's eighteen two in the spreadsheet I'm looking at here. Eighteen two. Um, yeah. So we just saved, saved a couple of points. Yeah. Well, all adds up, doesn't it? Um, yeah. So you, you had a couple yeah, of big twenties, a couple of big twenties in the round from from young Chris and from Robbie. Um, they, they got their twenty nils. Uh, looking down here, Stephen, he's an eighteen with his Skaven uh, against Jonathan. Uh, and David with a minor win, uh, and even uh, actually he had one minor loss. You only had two major losses in the whole in the whole thing, so that that, that obviously set you up nicely mm-hmm. for the round. So that's a cracking start, ninety nine points. Yeah. Um, so just again tickling under the cap as well, which is good. Um, so into round two, and we can probably just gloss over round two really, just go, just, go straight, <laughs> just go straight to round three. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so round, <laughs> round two was against Scotland um, 
Now, yeah, so what were your thoughts going into this one? I'm really interested to hear this one. <laughs> Honestly, we were we were quite nervous about going into Scotland. Well, not nervous, but um, they'd done really, really well against England in the first round. Yeah, um, yeah. I think they I think they held off the most points against England. I think that's right. Uh, I think by, by one or two points, it was the most taken off England. It was uh, <laughs> yeah. it was it was exciting. Um, watching it. I was at home here just sweating buckets. I was I was like a, I was, <laughs> the whole weekend. I was parading around the house like a bear with a sore head. Like <laughs> <laughs> so so actually we weren't we weren't super confident um, going into that one. We just wanted to get as many points as possible. But um, I think in the end we 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 capped that one. Yeah, yeah, you did. You so you ended up with 103. Um, so go, going into it, so I've got here Peter. You got up against Lee. Was this the first on the? Was this again the first one drawn? Was it? I don't know if these if this spreadsheet's in order of um, the way it came out of the hat or not. But I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there was uh, this was one of the rounds with no hero mission. So uh, ah, okay. my. My aim in these in, in the two rounds where there were no hero missions was to try and take out sort of one of the stronger lists. Sure, sure. And and, and just try and get points out of it. And I'd uh, I'd played against uh, that sort of not ex- this exact daughter's list, but daughter's list very similar to it quite a lot um, against Colin yeah. um, and against Chris Cave Senior actually. Um, oh yeah. Whenever we, uh, he he plays very similar lists, so uh, I thought I knew it well enough to at least get some points off it if not actually beat it um, and it actually that particular game was probably my tightest game, most enjoyable game of the weekend um, Lee was a gem to play against as well and uh, it, it was funny because he had me on the back foot from the, the get go and it turned into a real scramble basically me just running away from uh, the cauldron and Marathi and, and just using the, the natural mobility of the army to try and <laughs> tempt him towards me and whenever he came towards me too hard I would jump in behind him and steal his objectives from behind him and force him to turn back around and come towards me again and then do exactly the same thing again nice. um, and uh, he, he got a very crucial priority role um, which, uh, which let him catch Alariel really um, and uh, once that was gone, it was I was still in the game, but it was always going to be an uphill struggle from there. Yeah, I mean Lee's Lee's played played a lot with Sylvaneth as well, so he's certainly one of his most familiar, more familiar armies. Um, so he got the major win. That was seventeen three. So you've, you've got a couple of secretaries again. Just again, put them in the pot. Yeah. Um, just I'll just run down the list quickly. So John, our John was against uh, Stephen. So that's the rest, that, that was a scaven off. Um, so John got the major win there. So that was that's our two major wins for the round. Just to just to get that out of the way first. Oh no, I tell a lie. Stu got a major as well. Further down, uh, Mike, our captain, he was playing Robbie. So Robbie was obviously on fire all weekend. He's he's ended up with the major win there. Uh, Colin got the major win against uh, JP, our Gristlegore player. Uh, Neil, uh, he was your Gets player. He got the major win against Liam, who was playing Archeon Corn. Uh, Stu managed the major against young Chris. It's probably is, is that maybe his only loss all weekend. I'm not sure. Double check that. Um, down to you, Dave. So you were drawn up against Nathan. Yeah. Uh, so our <laughs> uh, our master and Deepkin player. How are you? How are you feeling about that one? Oh, I love playing Deepkin on that. <laughs> um, start of the game, he was sort of like, "Oh, I've been playing your list all year." 
And uh, everyone who tells me that doesn't play it right. So I was like, okay, so let's <laughs> play the other side of the list that nobody nobody sees on paper. So <laughs> Step inside, young man. Uh, we were playing Star Strike. So I won the roll-off, so I started the point first. Um, standard all sort of battle line in the grave, just to, you know, get the drops down. Um, and then when it came to deploying the monsters, I deployed super aggressive. Um and then he actually surprised me deploy it by deploying his eels on the board, but he backlined them. Um, so there was no charge of me turn one. So when I got to you know deciding who's first, I was like, you can go first. He was a bit surprised by that. All right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had to be very careful because we're playing Ilgu. So the command ability is one command point, teleport a unit to any board edge. Yep. So I, had, I was constantly aware of that. Um, so turn one, he lifted one of the unit of eels into my back corner. Um, failed the charge, however. Um, and then my dimensional blade dragon went over and dealt with them, bar one. I think it was still alive at the end of the game. Um, but yeah, the rest of the game was sort of me sort of staying on my side of the table, uh, using the palanquin and the nephrala to just, you know, uh, push them slightly too far forward. Uh, just to try and get him to take the bait. Um, I think it was turn three. Um, high tide, where he just went straight in, and then my lance dragon went over the top of him onto the objective. And I was like, I literally just have to defend this now. All oh, right, okay. Nice. Um, yeah, I guess you know, but <clears throat> whenever high tide's coming, he's going to be coming for you. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those games where all five rounds, um, I basically. The don't let your opponent kill 1,000 points. That just went out the window for me because I find myself sacrificing at least one to two monsters. Yeah. Uh, just to win the scenario. Well, that's okay. I mean, that's 14 points instead of uh, you know losing one or well two, I guess, losing one and them yeah, gaining. So at the stage, I just forgot about it as leaving being a thing and just <laughs> focused on what I could get. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense. Focus. Not every list is built for it, is it? So. Um, no, especially you've only got like twenty models. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And every time someone kills one, you know, there's half that thousand point gone. <laughs> yeah. So that's a major for you. You got sixteen versus Nathan's four. <clears throat> so he's, he's managed to get a few points there. But uh, and the last game was uh, John Arkale player against uh, David the Gristlegore, which that's one where you think, well, maybe that might be good, <laughs> but I guess it's very dicey. Um, I'm, See, I'm the sure. problem I find with the KO lists that were brought is they're still going heavy, you know, in the engine riggers. Yeah. And when you put engine riggers anywhere near Gristlegore, <laughs> some dead engine riggers. <laughs> yeah. I think... Yeah. I think one of the things that possibly played into that matchup as well was the realm. I think it was in Ilgu. It was in Ilgu, yeah. Um, so Massive, yeah. Uh, it was 18-inch range and everything. Oh, Okay. Which meant that you know he he couldn't sort of you know drop out and stay at maximum range and and and, and, and sort of pin things off. He had to get in close, yeah, um, yeah which yeah. isn't good. That's pretty much not a charge for the aggressive war. It sounds like uh, it sounds like John got the bus there. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a uh, that was a uh, final score, 103 to you guys, 57 to us. So you capped us. That was that was the worst performance of the five rounds in terms of Scotland scoring. So uh, I think. Uh... I think a lot of the games in that could have actually gone differently. Um, I know JP and Colin. 
Yeah. Uh, Colin was winning quite quite heavily at the early part of that game, but then uh, JP started to pull that back, and I think they just started to have too much fun, and they, <laughs> they didn't know where their scores they, were. Was, <laughs> it came down to um, one goal last in the game. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I heard some stories about this. Jack Gordon, and I was like, I don't understand why, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of talk of priority roles all weekend as well. Um, and I was I was getting particular Definitely. abuse because I, I, I got the dice for them this year, so I was getting abuse for that. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. Uh, I'll take it. Um, so 103.57, so another strong round. You're, you're over 200 points now, uncapped. Um, so firing up and you were it was great watching on the <laughs> on the stream because you were you were top for the first few rounds definitely maybe even top going into day two i can't remember um yeah we were yeah yeah so it was, it was really good to see i mean everyone uh, i guess it's a running joke any anyone but england um particularly <laughs> this year uh and i'd uh I, th- I thought you guys would be strong before it. i think we talked about this with donald i'd, I'd said obviously scotland because you got to see scotland but and you got to say england because they're obviously one of the best uh, bunch of players out there um, in terms of sort of size of population of players and all that and experience but uh, you guys you know it's you, we'd, we'd seen growth year on year um, it's the same names you see on the list and, and the lists looked you know hard as, hard as nails as well so I thought I thought you guys would be up there and it was, it was great to see you um, nipping out in front for, for day one so that, that was awesome um, round three, so the big one, <laughs> or maybe not a big one, I don't know, <laughs> but the Northern Ireland v Republic of Ireland, um, uh, Donal was saying you'd, uh, and I'd, I'd forgotten this, but you'd, you'd spanked them 8-0 the last previous uh, two Six yeah, Nations. We got max points last last year, and I think we lost maybe one game the year before that. Oh, okay, okay, cool. So obviously pretty confident going to this one, but obviously you get a fair bit of banter in this one as well. Yeah, I mean the we we see these guys all the time. They're yeah. over at our events. We're down at their events. So there's a a, a nice bit of rivalry going now. Um, and they're all and, our group chats and stuff that you know for the home guys. So oh yeah, all the basic banter there involved, especially Mick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not he's not a shy chap, is he? So. <laughs> um, uh, that's cool. So and actually, well, we'll talk about Mick just now because. I'm looking at the sheet, none of you guys played him, but um, his list was one of the ones that certainly stood out from the whole event. Um, it was quite a quite a unique uh, Zinch list. Well, a change host, but we, we haven't seen this for a long time. Um, we ran it year one. Um, I think you were, was it Pete, did you have it year one as well? Yeah, I ran it year one, yeah. But obviously things have changed a lot since then. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the book's basically the FAQ now. Um and but mixed list was very interesting it had lots of spells in it and it was one of these clearly it had been written for a sort of six nations team list definitely mm-hmm. yeah i think he'd seen um it being run at, at bobo uh yeah. by, uh i think it was daniel who took it he, he went four and one with it yeah and uh that he, he was talking to me and he said he played against richie with his uh gloom spider bobo as well yeah and he said, just the use of endless spells. Um, you know, he really loved that. So um, he uh, he abandoned the gutbusters um, <laughs> cruelly and decided to, to bring all the spells out to play instead. Um, I mean, I think it was probably the better choice for the team, but um, he he still abandoned gutbusters. <laughs> yeah, but he did well today. I think he had maybe four wins, or maybe did he get five? I don't know. 
Yeah, no, I think he got four because um, he lost to Darren against England, I think. But, oh, uh, that's right, that's right. Filthy Skaven. But uh, yeah, he's, he, it was him going back. He, Mick played uh, Zinch for the first year of Six Nations, so yeah. he, uh, he knows the army really well. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good to see. Nice, nice. It caught my eye, and I, was, I, I do like Zinch myself. I've never managed to get around to playing it yet, but it's always one that kind of jumps out with me. So, um, so going to this one. Um, We'll just talk about maybe you guys, because, you, again, you, you did rather well on this one. Um, you, you got the round 119.41, so it was a um, almost complete uh, mop-up there. You had two major uh, two major losses in there to the, to the Irish. But uh, looking at you guys, uh, Dave, you were you're first on the list here, um, halfway down the table. You've got, you were drawn up against Shane. Uh, what was he running? Uh, Beast of Chaos. Ah, uh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm just going to scroll to this list just now. But uh, it was more, more, more uh, as inch than anything else. Uh, yeah. Oh, here we go. Yeah. yeah okay. Fans. Sangor is unenlightened. So this was a one drop, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So you had lots of lots of tens of Sangors, three times three enlightened, uh, two Great Bray Shamans, Dragon Ogre Shagoth, the Zangor Shaman, and the Taurus. So this is I've I've never played it against anything like this before. So, <laughs> so Shane's actually one of our guys. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. So he, he defected. Ah. <laughs> is that because he didn't qualify? Yeah. Well, he um he was bo- he was borderline on qualifying, but um whenever it came time for us selecting our team, he uh was hoping to be in Japan uh this summer for uh a work placement and. Oh, right, okay. uh, it fell through um, on him. He didn't get it. So uh, whenever uh, it meant he was available then to to help Ireland out and play for Ireland, he played for them last year as well, actually. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm glad I didn't have to play this list because I had no idea what it did. <laughs> <laughs> it's very similar uh, to my hills list. So I'd, I'd seen it at Blood Type. Okay. Um. So I, I, I knew to look out for those enlightened. Just. Sneaking in the wee holes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also I'd been playing with his base uh, chaos sort of in the last couple of weeks. Um, last time he played, he went very heavy in the lighting and didn't bring the formation. Um, I just let him come to me, set up a wee trap, and he fires the lighting, and that was that. <laughs> <laughs> so he went back, MSU, sort of uh, board control, something. Um, Sergio strikes where he needs it. So we we were playing Scorched Earth, I think it was. Yeah. Um, so that was. <laughs> I liked the pairing. Didn't like the mission. Not so fond of the realm either. Because um, it was ruled when Beast or Beast of Chaos summon, um, they can control objectives straight off the summon. All right. Yeah. So uh, it was like every turn he was bringing on ten Angors straight onto an objective. Um, <clears throat> during that phase, during that game, your face just got redder and redder. Yeah, we sort of both messed up turn one. Um, I took sort of his three or his two of his objectives, but didn't burn them, and I was like, I probably should have. Because um, then the next turn, he bunkered those objectives to take them back, but then he also pushed into my corner, and I was sort of right, he's got me now. But then he didn't burn them either. I was like, whew. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all in turn I was like right and these need to go so I just burnt his three and then that I mean there was only you know the, the last three left and I was able to just focus down on them 
the nose, very tight. <laughs> nice one. So that was a that was an eighteen-two win for you. So a nice, nice bunch of points on the board there. Um, I actually didn't lose the thousand points. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was the only game. Uh, yeah, it looks like it's five eighty on this table uh, <laughs> versus nineteen hundred. So yeah, you, you you took a lot of that off. <laughs> my second rate was control the middle objective, and there was more than one that qualified, just the closest to the middle. Um, but we realised sort of, I think it was turn four that. I had won, and then we were like, right, let's just work out secondaries. So the last objective on the board was my back right. So we went for uh, priority. He won. He was able to jump onto it and then burn it, which means there was no objectives left on the table. Sure. Yep, yep. Was the only one that couldn't score. Nice one. So uh, before we talk to you, Pete, just looking down the earlier results on the table, so there was major wins for Robbie, Colin, Chris, and David. Uh, with Neil just losing to Mick, so that was Gitz versus Zinch. That must have been a hell of a, sp- a spell fest. That one, my God. Yeah, Neil was right under that bus. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was one major loss. Uh, Dave, your major win. So then, Pete, you were in against Kieran. Uh, what did he have? He's got Skaven. Yeah. Oh, this is the filthy plague monks list. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, 40, 40, 20, 20, 20, 10, 10 of plague monks. How many, what's that? 160? 60, yeah. Good grief. Um, absolutely mental. What, uh, plague priest on furnace, corruptor, and warp seer. And vortex, of course. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah um and any other mission um and uh this I, this was me under the bus but um on this mission um uh i knew I had a really strong chance and uh our, we actually spent longer deploying in this game than we actually spent playing um which mission was this it was duality of death duality okay yeah so uh a, a similar Manner to the first game against Sweden, um, I just I went first, put woods on the two objectives, uh, put a tree lord on one objective and a branch wraith on the other one, and surrounded them by dryads. And you know they he uh, had no way of shooting the heroes off. And uh, I think we were playing in Heish, so my dryads were minus two to hit in the woods on a three up save. Mm-hmm. So. You know the, the the monks really weren't chewing through the dryads fast enough to get at the heroes, and even then, he was attacking a tree lord with a two up save, rerolling ones. So, uh, we actually I think we called it at the end of turn two when we realised that when I won the priority roll of the three, I was going to score again. He couldn't um, then score enough points to come back into the game. Um, so we kind of just worked out what the uh, how things would play out for the secondary. She rolled a few dice for some combats, and, and, and that was it, really. I think we only spent about 20, 25 minutes actually playing the game. All right. Yeah. <laughs> nice and efficient. Um, yeah. So you've got, you got 17-3. Looking at the table, uh, it's got Kieran down as scoring 180 kill points off you, so wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's not got anything against against your name. Did you get zero? Yeah, I didn't kill a thing. Wow. Um, <laughs> a, a, a net 180 points in that game. Wow. Yeah, I I, I, I went after one of the Vermin Lords because the, the the one thing in the list that could potentially scare me is the Vermin Lord Corruptor with the Sword of Judgment. Yeah. Um, because uh, if he can get in with the Tree Lord, 
that's a lot of mortal wounds. Um, yeah. uh, it's, a, it's a dead tree lord. Uh, so I uh, I went after the corruptor to try and do some damage to it, but um, they with they have the five up ignore now against mortal wounds, so uh, I, I couldn't get enough spells on to him uh, to do any damage. Um, and uh, he was just trying to chew through dryads, so it really the, there wasn't. It was just lots of rats surrounding lots of dryads on the board, um, and uh, two heroes in the centre of it all. It wasn't the most exciting of games, but <laughs> um, I mean, who cares? Who cares when there's uh, when there's points to be had for your country? Yeah, exactly. So that was a seventeen-three to you. Um, so that was another major win. And the, the bottom game here was Stephen uh, and his Skaven against Will and his daughters, looks like here. Yep. Um, so that was, a, that was a major win for Ireland. So they ended up with, like we said, 41 points. They took two major wins. Um, and you had 119. So you capped them quite significantly. Um, the, the cap being 160. So max 100, min 60 you'll get. Um Sorry, Pete, when you go. Yeah, that, that, that was actually the, uh, I think it was the only complaint I actually had from any players about their matchup all weekend, because uh, I, uh, I'd i forgotten that Ireland don't run Hagnar on their uh, daughter's lists. They oh, run yeah. Celebron. Yeah, yeah. So I put our shooting list into the uh, anti-shooting <laughs> daughters again. I kind of just forgot about that. Um, so, uh, yeah, he, he really struggled to get any damage across with the, the negative to hits. Oh, well, oh, well. The, the team made up for it. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. So that was another big win going into the, the end of day one. So you must be you almost been pretty happy by that point. Yeah, everybody everybody was was uh, was pretty buzzing about it, um, and uh, and sort of trying to figure out how we were going to cope against England the next day. So that was that was going to be round four on the Sunday morning. Um, so the Saturday night, we all quite well behaved. We we behaved during the day at Saturday. Obviously, there's there's a bar on site there. It was it. Um, we you managed to keep off the beers? It, it was quite civilised, actually. It was the most civilised we've been over the three years. Yeah. <laughs> um, Still drinking yeah. the, the morning. The, but... the one worry... <laughs> yeah. the, the worry we had was Robbie, because he's a big Liverpool supporter. Um, ah. So we, we thought he was going to go out and, and get smashed, <laughs> but I think the Kraken, the Kraken on the way over had put the fear in him. <laughs> so... He was quite sensible. Ah, so he was he was doing it for his uh, for his army as well, was he? Then continuing the nautical theme, then was he? <laughs> no, yeah, he was. Yeah. <laughs> Although I think it was one of the other. It was um, Dave Robinson's bottle of Kraken. Oh, right. So I don't think he was too happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. So that was Saturday. Uh, three big wins, and you were, like we say, you were, you were top of the table round three uh, into the big one on the Sunday morning. Um, round four against England. Now, is is it true that this was supposed to be round five? Did I hear something about that? Uh, so on the Saturday night, Dono and Rob were talking, sort of uh, switching the rounds for you know the hype and the stream. Because mm. um, at that stage, it sort of came down to it was us or England. Yep. First, so they wanted you know for the enjoyment of the followers. Um, but I believe it was England said no to it. Why do you think they said that? I can't quite figure it out. Just more pressure on them, or I don't know. Um, I think it was just the, the you know set in stone. Why change it? Oh, okay. Yeah, they, they that, the other plans. That and the, you know from previous years we could have been quite raw in the morning. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, tactical. I see. We, we weren't, but uh, 
<laughs> well, we did see the we did see the pictures on Twitter of uh, Darren yeah. being escorted home. Escorted <laughs> by teammates at I don't know what time it was, it two a.m. or something. But... Sorry, night. Where he's at? And <laughs> uh, he was he was he was getting Team Scotland drunk on the Friday night as well. I think so. He's he's definitely had a <laughs> an agent role in there, undercover role. So. Um, so round four versus England. So this was the big one, obviously, uh, and you must have thought that obviously before the event as well. Um, had, had you put any more sort of prep into England or anybody else, or were you just keeping it equal? Uh, I don't think we really put any more prep or thought into England than anybody else. I mean, we did recognise. I think England by far had the strongest collection of lists as a team. Um, you know, we didn't really identify any way to play the pairings that would give us any real advantage. We knew that we were going to have eight tough games, yeah. Um, no matter what way it shook out, um, um, you know, they had uh, they had one drop lists, which scared me. Um, Darren's given list was the I think the best given list I've seen so far, um, and uh, you know they. They have, a, they have a good reputation as very very strong players, and it's you yeah. know it's 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 not undeserved. They are a good bunch of players. Um, yeah. But we we weren't afraid. Um, we 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 knew you know with with Colin and uh, and Dave going over and doing so well at Face Hammer, and then yep, you know absolutely. even even Chris did really well at Heat One. Um, yeah, uh, and I was uh, I was speaking to his dad. It, it, he was there at Heat Two, um, and we were chatting just I think at the end of the tournament. Actually, he was. He did. He'd done pretty well with his daughters, but <clears throat> he was talking about uh, young Chris. Uh, he won, and he, he he played against was, was it Gary Percival or somebody that he ended up taking him really close in the end as well. So yeah, he went he went four and one at that event, and he was very close to actually beating Gary in the in the one game he lost. So wow. yeah, good stuff. So um, you were quite on on this table, Pete. You were quite high up on the on the draw. So were you, were you quite happy with how things were coming out? Um, well, again, looking at the missions in this one, there was no mission um, that I really fancied playing, um, which uh, was a bit disappointing because against England, I was hoping to, that I could try and get a win in. But the minute I saw the, the missions we were playing, um, I just bust myself under Darren's list because um, <laughs> uh, I don't I don't think anybody else could really have. Um, I've taken it. Um, maybe Robbie. Um, we had with a lot of discussions over whether we thought Robbie's list had enough output to to clear all the rats. But um, I was quite happy just to take that out of the equation and try and you know yeah. match up the uh, the rest of the guys. Yeah. Um, sure. So uh, <clears throat> you were second on the list. Uh, first one was Neil versus uh, James Tinsdale. So that's Gitz versus Ko. Um, yeah. Uh, James got a major win on that one. Uh, I'm not sure how that would play out. Were you happy with that one, or That's due to him being uh, so he's only been playing for just under a year, um, so there is no KO in our scene. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so sort of before the game, he was like, "Right, what do I need to watch out for?" Yeah. Uh, you know, I I warned him they're going to come down. They're going to hit you really, really hard. You're going to panic. Um, just forget about it and you know charge him immediately and just swarm him yeah um, but I think that how hard he got hit sort of took him by surprise so he, he bunkered instead um, his words to me after the game was that's the one game I wish I could play again oh right cool 
Oh well, you learn, you live and learn. Yeah. Um, so next on the list was Pete you against Darren, as we said. So Darren Watson, he was running, uh, yeah, quite a mad, hard-looking list. He had three Graciers on Screaming Bells and a Corrupter uh, with a Sword of Judgment, 40-20-20 Clan Rats, and then two times 40 Plague Monks, um, four Endless Spells, so Pendulum, Spell Portal, Vortex, and Shackles. Um, so, yeah, pretty nasty. Yeah, and it was on focal points as well, so uh, lots of different objectives, and it split. It would force me to split up rather yeah. than sort of staying nice and tasseled. Um, and the minute I'm split up, you know, he was uh, instantly outnumbering me on every objective. Um, so it really wasn't, you know, this, the, the matchup wasn't good army wise, and it was a, a really bad matchup for me on the objectives uh, as well. Um, but uh, well. Sorry, and you being MSU as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got big blocks there, isn't he? So, so that's well, that was so that was fairly cut and dried. Then it sounds like so you were you went down nineteen. In fact, you both went down nineteen one, kneeling yourself uh, in the top two games. Yeah, I I probably could have got more points out of it, but um, I think well, AJ was coming round as you know, keeping me updated on how everybody else was doing and. Uh, he said that you know things were looking really tight in a few other games, and you know we we may need you know me to try and pull out some kind of win if I could. So I I shifted from playing defensively for secondaries into actually trying to make something happen. Yeah, and um, I I was then banking on luck on a priority roll, um, and I didn't get it. So once once I lost that priority roll, I'd, I'd left Alario kind of hanging out in the wind. And um, you know she just got lifted by monks. So yeah. uh, uh, at that point we were we were a lot closer in some of the games. It was a two, it was sort of two really big swing turns that happened in um, at least three of the other games. <laughs> I think we're coming to one of these now. So the third match down <coughs> here was Colin versus Byron. I've heard I've heard tales about this one. So uh, Colin, his daughters obviously, and Byron had his uh, one drop bone splitters. Um, with the the big formation that lets them come back on the roll of a six, mm-hmm. and uh, and I believe this happened. <laughs> a yeah. crucial moment. <laughs> it did, and Colin had fought so courageously the whole way through that game. Um, he'd lost most of his witches in the first turn, uh, and he'd just been using Marathi and his cauldron and the few witches he had left just as a real beat stick really hammering through as much as possible um and then it just was in the last you know to, to the point where we were all convinced actually baron's lost this one um and then the faithful six landed in and uh that was it that was <laughs> <laughs> i heard as well it was he had he rolled it again his yeah he rolled it twice time, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was talking to Donald when he rolled it <laughs> wow amazing there you go yeah. Dice. Hashtag dice. There you go. Um, so looking down the list, uh, Stephen had a major win against Tony, so that was Skaven v. Gristle Gore, another a big a blockbuster game, that one. Yeah. Tony gave him first turn, um, and the Storm Fiends just went up. <laughs> Here's what they do. Uh, apparently it was five months in the game, and Tony was like, oh, I've made a mistake. <laughs> Uh, interesting. That's cool. That's good to know that even the even the top players don't see it coming sometimes. So. Interesting. 
next on the list, we've got Robbie uh, against Les Martin. So this was a deep mm-hmm. off. Uh, lots yeah. and lots of deals. Actually, I remember seeing about this on the stream. There was there was uh, when Donald was doing one of his walk arounds. It was it was at this table. Uh, yeah, it's just lots of deals fighting each other. Like so. Yeah. I guess there's not much yeah. else on, on the list. No, and I... <laughs> so I think um, I, I I had a quick look at that uh, uh, table after. Uh, my round had finished and uh, I think one of the things that was key in that game was how Robbie actually deployed his uh, ships um, because with the way the terrain was Robbie had managed to build himself a little bunker um, yeah. that he was able to sort of protect himself uh, oh, protect okay. his objective with um, that made it really hard for Les and that uh, is one of the things that I've I've noted with, with Robbie having played against his deep tin quite a few times now is he's very very good at using his shipwrecks to uh Really disrupt how his opponents deploy and how his opponents yeah. can get at him. Those ships um, are very, very annoying. Yeah, they're not, they're, they're they're big and, and especially whenever you have other large scenery on the table as well. You know, you can combine the the scenery on the table with them to really create choke points. Yeah, especially yep. against hills that aren't exactly the easiest things to move around. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So uh, big wins for Stephen and Robbie. That was eighteen and nineteen respectively. Um, next on the list, David are against Russ. So this is what Gristle Gore versus Sacrament is it he's running? Um, so a minor win for David in the end here. So a great result there. Yeah, I think uh, I think it was for a long time it was looking like a minor loss to uh, in Russ, you know, in Russ's favour. Um, but uh, Dave managed to uh, claw that one back at the very end. I think. I think Russ was asked to push a little bit um, because I think uh, England were maybe a bit worried about how Colin's game was going and then also uh, young Chris, his game um, was very tight as well. So well, I think Russ maybe pushed a, a bit too much and overstretched. Sure, sure, yeah. Good stuff. So that was uh, 13 points to Dave there. Uh, on, on to you, Dave. You were up against Richie and, uh, so and his lovely I, fire slayers. It was one of those parents where sort of had a look to the next pairing. So it was between uh, Richie and Les. So whoever I fought, Robbie fought the other one. Um, you know, with the, the Firestars list, the Eels don't really <laughs> chew through that. No. <laughs> I was like, right, I'll, I'll take the Firestars and let you play Les. Um, didn't go into that game with much hope. <laughs> so this was um, uh, so Richie's list just quickly he had uh, Rune Smiter on Magmadroth uh, Auric Rune Master Battlesmith Rune Farther on Magmadroth uh, 30 Hearthguard Berserkers who I guess are the real stars of the show um, 2 times 10 Volkite Berserkers 5 Hearthguard and Lords of the Lodge um, which uh, you see in all the kind of sort of top lists just now from the new book don't you Lords of the Lodge is definitely the one to go for yeah no, I sort of. I don't think I could have played that game any better because we were playing. Uh, was it a knife for the heart of border war? It was border war. Um, you know, to hold the objective, you need five models on it. Uh. From turn three on, if you hold both, you win. So I, <coughs> I couldn't let him get across the board. <coughs> so, sort of pegged the two corners of his uh, deployment with the dragons, then. The other corners with the Palanquin and Neff, and the plan was put the minus two to hit up and just hold them there. Um, 
it was going well <laughs> um, until his first guard attacked. Um, that was a lot of fives come out there at minus two to hit. <laughs> That's annoying. Um, and then his turn two, he was like, right, we're going to go out and heal Mary. So he goes, to kill Neff, I need to roll a five, then I need to roll a one, and then you have to pass no saves. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> Called it. The magma draft shooting. This so, <laughs> I was like, yep, this is going well. <laughs> so that, that unit of 30 berserkers, did you have any hope of taking care of them, did you think? Because they are, they're absolutely nuts when they get, um, well, especially when they um, get buffed up. If but... you had, they hadn't rolled so many five-ups, I think in the first turn, you know, with the minus two to hit up, um, I had my dragons and stuff positioned really well. Where his pylons were greatly diminished. Um, and then Neff and the Palgrim were in front of them as well, so the middle models had to start piling towards them. Okay, yeah. Um, but then with the lucky sniping of Neff, um, allowed him to get maybe seven or eight more Hearthguard into the Doppelganger Cloak, and because um, they fight first in their, their turn, I couldn't activate Doppelganger until he finished attacking the first time. Right. And he did the exact amount of damage. <laughs> 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 but that case had a Palgrim on one wound. And the Lance Dragon right up in the corner. Um, yeah. <laughs> Nasty. <laughs> it was over that day. Yeah. So that ended up as a 19 1 to Richie. Um, so that was a major win, obviously. And the bottom game that's down here is Young Chris versus Laurie versus Stormcast versus the English Daughters list. Uh, and that was a minor win to Laurie. So. Um, England unfortunately took that round out 97-63, but it was looking like you guys were saying that it was looking very very close all the way through. Um, yeah, I think I think I, uh, the the game with Laurie and Chris, and then obviously Colin and Baron, both of those could easily have yeah. swung the other way. So um, we were obviously disappointed that we we couldn't take more points off them, but I think we were pretty happy that we'd you know done the best that we could in the round. Yeah, certainly give them a good hard fight anyway. So, um, so slipping down to, to second place after the round four, uh, but it's still still in by a chance in round five. Um, and this was the main thing I think about the weekend was the caps were nice and tight. Um, the, the points on offer were there via the secondaries, and going into the last round, um, there was everyone had something to play for. Uh, there was teams that could okay only you could have still won it if England had really slipped up. Um, but third place was definitely up for grabs by I think three teams. Um, yeah. Obviously there was us, yeah. us v Ireland at the bottom, uh, bottom <laughs> of it. Uh, <laughs> we'll not talk about that. But um, uh, yeah, and, and everyone had something to play for, which I think was again a reflection on the pack. But so last game you're up against Wales, only only one team you've you've not played against yet. Um, this this being a round robin. So um, how did you feel going into this one? Uh, I, I, look, their list to us, um, uh, not having the flesh eaters, um, was a big thing, uh, because, uh, it was always one of the, um, the list that nobody wanted to play. There were a lot of reds down against Crystal Gore. Yeah. Um, so the fact they didn't have it, um, opened up some of the pairings a little bit. Um, they, they brought the, uh, Order Draconis instead. Um, and there were a few of us who knew that list fairly well because Colin has been playing it um, at home, and um, so we were quite confident that we could take that. Um, yeah, there was no real surprises with it. Yeah. 
Um, and then we 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 were hoping for a uh, Chris Caves Junior versus Chris Caves Senior matchup. <laughs> of course, yes. in the round, <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, it was denied. <laughs> uh, that been that been good. Um, yeah, that that must have been a last minute thing because when, when I was chatting to Chris Senior, he he was he was saying, "Oh, I'm just going over to obviously be this kind of uh, the dad, the escort." Um, but I guess Wales must have struggled and drafted him in. Yeah. Before. yeah, it was very close. Yeah, obviously he played for Wales last year as well, didn't he? Up in Scotland, so he, had, he, he did. Yeah, he had the shirt. He had the cap. <laughs> <laughs> he did quite well last year as well. Did he? Oh yeah, well, he, was, he was pushing daughters around again last year, wasn't he? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. So, so just looking through this one, um, we've got just top to bottom on the table. We've got Mark. Uh, which what was he running actually? At the top of my head, I'm just going to quickly check this. Uh, Mark Brooks. He's running. Oh, he's, he was our Skaven player, so he was uh, he, he was up against. Uh, oh, your Skaven player. Okay, so nice Skaven off there um, at the top of the table. I guess you just chuck them into each other and see what happens. Yeah, they, they deserve each other. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's enough said about that. Moving on. Uh, young Chris was then uh, denied. Oh, sorry, no, this is Chris Senior. Sorry, Chris Senior was denied. Uh, the caves off, so he was drawn up against Neil, your Gits player. Um, what, what was your thoughts on this one? Um, well, they, they've played before because you know we all sort of play in the same club yeah. all the time. They've played yeah. before, and um, the uh, I, I don't think anybody particularly wanted to play against Marathi. Um, because it's, it's she's such a pain to deal with unless you've got the tools for it. Um, and my list is one of the, the list that has the tools for it with all the endless spells. But um, we were trying to get me into the hero mission instead at the end of the round. So um, uh, you know, Neil was kind of under the boss again a little on that. But we, we thought with the inside track of having played against Chris a few yeah. times that he might have he might have. Be able to play the player rather yeah. than the list. But, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a minor w- win for for Neil in the end. So that was good. Fourteen um, six. Um, you, you lost the the Skaven match up at the top of the table there. Seventeen three. Uh, so third match on the list here is Tom Loyne, the Welsh captain, against Robbie and his Deacon. Um, and looking at this, it says draw on it, which is uh, <laughs> the, the first draw of the event. Um, so Tom. Yeah. Was, Sorry, Pete, when you go. Yeah, no, for all the talk of um, you know, multiple guys on our team knowing the Draconis list really well, we actually put Robbie into it, who'd never played it before. <laughs> um, and uh, Robbie was, uh, was quite impressed, not with just the list, but he was also he was very complimentary of Tom as a player as well. Tom, you know, obviously, Tom is very experienced, very good player. Uh, yeah, nice um, yeah from, from what I was playing on the table next to him, and it was very, very cagey. There was a lot of, uh, you know, sort of standoff and wait to see who was going to commit first. Um, it was like a really, looked like a very tactical and very fun game. Yeah, yeah. So though it was a draw, um, Robbie took it out 13-7 um, on secondaries. He's, he's got 2,000 kill points here, so he's, he's always taking everything off. Um, and he's, he's, he's got a few more of his secondaries, so he's, he's, done, he's done well at that one. So you guys are edg- edging ahead. Next one I've got here is, uh, well, Danny, who, who wasn't there, against you, Dave. Um, yep. who, who did you play? Uh, Dave the Chin. So he, ah. was the he was supposed to be the Irish coach. Yeah. 
so yeah, it was nice to see the turtle on the table. Yeah. Uh, we played relocation orb, and I sort of had this feeling at the start the game wasn't going to go well. <laughs> so uh, I just decided, right, I'm going to prepare from the very start for everything to go completely wrong. Uh, turn two hit, lost the priority. That's exactly as it went. Uh, so I prepared for it. <laughs> so uh, he surrounded me, started you know just lifting stuff, and I just kept feeding the monsters. Um, but I'm not sure whether Dave noticed or not, but uh, my dogs were just running around capturing all the points. <laughs> um, so turn three, he killed my last dragon with the because the turtle was on point. I was just doing six mortal wounds flat out. <laughs> was it getting souped uh, up by Volturnos was in that list? I think wasn't it? Yeah, he was. Yeah, um, but that but turn three hit, and I was like, okay, I've won now. Um, like even if you score match points now for the rest of the game, uh, I'll be one point ahead. So at that stage, I had nine dogs on the table. <laughs> <laughs> and I had left at one unit of eight. Um, so we just played for Sakadris. Nice. Right. Yep. This, was, this, this was one of those games that confused me when I was standing at the table and Dave was going, yep, this is great, this is going really <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, <laughs> Everything, Everything's fine, everything's fine. Even Donald come over and he was like, what have you done? How are you, how are you holding this up? And I was like, you have little faith. <laughs> so this ended up as a, a major win to you 16-4 so that's good uh, excellent yeah but only 460 kill points I see Danny well Dave has got 16-70 so like, like you say that reflects that story um, young Chris was up against uh, Owen I know he's, oh, he's a silver knife player so that's an interesting game that one um, I think he played our silver knife player as well yeah yeah, he uh, it was kind of punishment. He he uh, he dodged playing me in club games for the last two months <laughs> heading into the event. So uh, he uh, I tried to pair him in the silver. It was a bit of punishment for uh, for dodging me. Um, <laughs> but he was he was kind of scared of that of of the silver um, uh, matchups because of the line of sight blocking with yeah. the ballistas. But um, I, I kept telling him that you know the. Uh, with the, the sequiturs and the uh, the evocators, you know, he had a lot of other punch in his list um, that he, he didn't necessarily need to worry about losing the uh, the, the line of sight. And, and one of the things, as a Sylvanath player, um, if you get too focused on using the woods to block line of sight all the time and staying out of line of sight, you sometimes forget that you've got you've got to go out and control the board and score objectives. So, yeah, um, yeah using using the ballistas just to control. Um, where the silver player is going to, you know, make their moves, um, is as effective, just as effective as actually killing stuff. So, good stuff. Well, it must have worked in all this coaching uh, knowledge because he took the major out and, I, and he smashed it up nineteen one in the end. So, yeah, yeah, a big win there for Chris. That's that's great. Uh, I've got next in the list Dave David R against Alex. So that's Gristle Gore versus what's Alex got? Scroll down here. Next uh, up. Oh, that's right. Alex Bruce missed or, mixed order list. I, 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 yeah, I hate these lists. It doesn't doesn't float my boat at all. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure it's got. I'm sure it's good. It's got teeth and stuff. But yeah, anyway, Gristle Gore versus uh, mixed order, and that was major win for Gristle Gore. Uh, but fourteen six. So too quick. Was that? I think the Gristle Gore out drops it, and it's just too quick and too yeah. nasty for the mixed order to really do the damage it should be doing. Yeah. I believe there's 40 Archonauts in there. 40 Archonauts, 12 Skyhooks, yeah. 
but not very much in the way of chaff. So aggressive car just goes straight up <laughs> <laughs> and does its thing. Um, so that was a major win for Dave R. Uh, okay, on to you, Pete. So you were up against Owen, um, and he was running Legion of Blood. Uh, yeah, the two two blocks of uh, Grip and Gas Reapers. Um, yeah, so he had Neferata, Vampire Lord and Zombie Dragon, Ethereal Amulet Pinions, uh, Necromancer, three times five Direwolves, and two times thirty Grim Ghasts with three command points. So nasty list. Yeah, um, and the uh, the terrain on the table for this one really didn't do me any favors. Um, it uh, it was uh, again another hero mission. It was uh, places of arcane power. Um, and there was a massive bit of terrain right beside each of the objectives, so I, I couldn't really get woods down uh, and do my usual of just sort of you know camping out the objective for a couple of turns. So I had to try and actually you know engage and and, and fight his army. Um, and Geminids was the real star of this one uh, because with with dryads in you know at, at least within three inches of a wood uh, for now before the new book changes it, but I was able to just sort of Congo land them back to the woods uh, to get that minus one and then Geminids going through the two blocks of Reapers to bring them down to a you know, minus two to hit in total. Nice. Um, that was that, that that was ultimately what swung it. Um, he he got a bit careless with his Neferata. He just moved her a bit too close to the uh, the woods um, in his first turn. So whenever I won the priority, I just uh, ten spells all going into one wood, just waking it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got that a couple ago. That'll do it. Yeah. Um, so he he was left with. Um, uh, he, he, had, he had three heroes. He had the Necromancer, Neferata, and the, uh, the Zombie Dragon. Um, so with Neferata gone, I sent um, Alariel out to hunt out the Necromancer, and uh, he was left with just the one hero. Then, um, while I had uh, you know two or three heroes on the other objectives. Yeah. So um, if uh, if I hadn't won that priority into turn two, things might have gone a lot differently. He could easily have. Um, Got Neferata into the objective in the middle of the board, and I was then going to have to try and, um, you know, fight through the Grim Gas to get at her. But um, luckily, the priority went my way. Good stuff. So that's a major win for your last game, seventeen three versus Owen. And the last one in the round I've got here is Colin up against uh, Andy Hughes and his Slanesh. Uh, and we again the first, the first stories about this one. So yeah, <laughs> fill us in what happened here. So Andy Hughes is running uh, two keepers of secrets in Pretenders. Um, so a really tooled up keeper with uh, lots of what is it? The strength of Godhood, silver slash artifact, strongest alone. Um, uh, what do you call it? Trait, the second trait. Um, he's got the epitome, he's got an enrapturous 30 30 demonettes, uh, 10 demonettes, and that's in the Epicurean Revelers formation. A couple of command points in there as well. So, uh, so what happened here? Uh, Ether Quartz Brooch. <laughs> so, I did mention that, yeah. Ether Quartz Brooch was on the enrapturous, so yeah, that, that, that played a key role in this game. Uh, I believe it was turn one. Uh, I activated fourteen activations uh, before Tom got the fight. Uh, of that, he didn't use a single command point. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I think it was. 
He's starting turn one with three command points, so uh, <laughs> yeah. wow. Yeah. And then Coleman into his first turn with Marathi, and I think it was six witches left. <laughs> Goodness me, so that was a pretty quick game then. Oh, he was not impressed. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was. It, it took it took surprisingly long, given all the activations in the first round of combat. <laughs> it was quite a long first turn for Colin. He called strike last as well. Uh, of course. Yeah. So all the activations were just happening, and he couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so New Slanesh did its thing, which probably doesn't happen every time you play it. But when I believe it... they played Bobo. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah, I think Andy was playing Fire Slayers at Bobo, though, I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right, that's right. And he did, he did some tequila as well, we'd heard about that as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was a big 20-0 to, to Andy in the last game. Um, but overall, you took that last round out 96-64. So again, almost tickling the 100 points there. So another big win uh, mm. for you guys. So yeah, it was out of, out of the five rounds, it was just the English one that you... Um, slipped up on um, and the final uh, table was uh, where are we, England had 500 and, well, actually that's uncapped so capped kill points, sorry capped uh, tournament points England finished up on 482 you were second with 458 so just what's that, 20, 24 points difference so mm-hmm. really bloody close actually in the end yeah. yeah it was what one one game yeah, in that English round swinging the other way would have uh... yeah tipped it in, in our favour yeah yeah and they were they were plus 11 in terms of secondaries so you know that's 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 still pretty close but you know there's it just shows how close it was really in the end um, yeah which is excellent to see um, look at the table so third place again it was very very close decided in round five Sweden um, they must have done well in their round five they've ended up on 380 uh, so they were up against well, they were against England in round five, so they must have done reasonably well versus England. Um, they did, yeah. Yeah, just looking at this round, actually, yeah, ninety-three sixty-seven. It finished, so they've they've done enough to get the third place overall. Yeah, I uh, I actually saw Tom Modsey walking about with a slight sweat at one stage. So I think he <laughs> I think he was slightly worried at one stage. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I mean, Sweden are Sweden showed it last year as well. They can, they, yeah, they, they came strong last year. I think they came second last year, actually, did they? They did, yeah. Because you guys were pushing them really close towards the end, I think. Uh, yeah, we we kind of uh, last year we really misunderstood how the whole cap system worked, and uh-huh. um, uh, we, I think we were second uncapped last year, but fourth capped. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that was Sweden on three eighty and third. Wales just missing out in third in fourth on three seven seven. And then it came down to the, the the spoon match, or should I say, the the potato peeler match. Um, <laughs> Donald, yeah, Donald had uh, had picked up a potato peeler to, in recognition of Ireland's uh, spooning of the last two Six Nations. So that was all ready for them to get the the hat trick. Um, unfortunately, they, uh, they 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 beat us up in round five, uh, which was it was it was on the telly, so that was quite good. Uh, well, it was uh, exciting. It wasn't good, <laughs> um, but uh, so they beat us ninety one sixty nine in the last round. Um, so they came, uh, they came fifth. I've just lost the spreadsheet. Where are we? Uh, their final score was uh, three six five, and that left us in last place. Unfortunately, Scotland on three hundred and thirty eight capped. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, uh, overall, what was your guys' uh, thoughts at the end of the Six Nations then? You must have been absolutely delighted with it. Uh, yeah, I think if, if you'd said to us before we went over that we would come away with second place, I think would have been really happy. Um, I think that with how tight that fourth round was, yeah. um, we were slightly frustrated that we couldn't quite take it out. But, um, you know, it, it's it's a bit... I think overall our performance was a lot better than last year as a team. Um, yeah. You know, with the individuals were still putting in the results, but we were a lot more focused as, as um, you know, playing as a team this year. And um, so, yeah, we're really happy with it. That was excellent. Great, great to see. Um, uh, like we've been saying, there's been sort of growth th- throughout the three years from all the teams, definitely, but d- definitely from you guys. Um, so, look, look, look at the last sort of three years and looking forward. What's your, what's your thoughts on it all? Um, Looking forward to, to 2020 as well. What's what's your plans for that? Well, I think we're planning on putting in a bid to host the event next year. Good stuff. Um, we we're, we have a couple of ideas in the pipeline. We're trying to sort of work out the best way forward on that. Um, I had said at the start of this year that it would be my last year captaining the team. Um, uh, I'm a bit annoyed that I said that now because <laughs> it would have been nice to go out with a win. Um, but uh, I think it's uh, if, if we do host it next year, uh, it'll probably be myself that will be uh, to. Oh, okay. Uh, so it'll be, it sense. will be a bit of a change next year, um, new, new captain. But uh, you know, there's a couple of players this year that didn't make it over for one reason or another. Um, they're all really, really strong. So I think there's no reason why we can't push just as hard, if not even better, next year. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's, there's nothing like a home tournament, Six Nations, to, to, to bring everyone out of the woodwork. But uh, having said that, I mean, the I don't think the... Uh, the, the sort of the range of scores across all five rounds really shows how tight a lot of these games actually were. Um, I don't, I don't think Scotland um, were that far off being, you know, up in amongst the, the mix to be playing for third place. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think from I saw a post on on Twitter from Jack Armstrong at the end of day one about how important secondaries were, um, and I think ultimately that's if if a few more teams had paid a bit more attention to secondaries and the strategy of of how to pick the secondaries, um, it would have been a bit a uh, bit more of a difference. I think that's what we're coming down to. So, so from a podcast point of view, we'll talk to the obviously there's the other three guys in the podcast all played, and we'll get Mike the captain on and do a sort of Scotland special. Um, and go through more in detail the kind of Scotland side of things, but from the initial sort of post mortem behind it all, I think you've 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 ticked most of the things that we've said as well. When I say we, the, the royal we, what they've said um, in terms of secondaries. Um, I mean, we were the we were the most prepared we've been in uh, to any Six Nations so far. We've we, we learned a lot from last year. Um, we, we put a lot of things in place. We sort of wrote a charter uh, and really put together how folk would qualify and what their roles what their, what their what not what their roles would be but what's kind of just write downs and bullet points is this is what's really what it's about if you've not been before and this this is what you need to do um and certainly with that that's improved things but now that's in place i think we can reflect on this year and pick up things that um although it was tight you know there's clearly areas that you can pick up on and try and work on for next year uh, and, and try and get off the bottom uh, albeit a very tight 
table. It was, you know, bottom definitely hurts. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> what, what, what would you, anything else you'd sort of uh, suggest for for teams who might have come last, uh, looking forward? How, what, what else could you could could you suggest we looked at? <laughs> well, as Pete was saying, um, the scores don't necessarily, you know, show how actually tight the games were. Um, you spoke to anybody at the Six Nations event every round, you know, like, oh, how'd your game go? And they were like, it's tight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I don't think there was many whitewashes. <clears throat> no, and I, I think I think what we were, we were discussing, uh, certainly Pete and I were discussing at the end of the tournament, was the fact that because, and it, this is probably true for Scotland as well, because we play each other an awful lot, we maybe don't have as extensive uh player base in, in terms of lists, in terms of different armies, in terms of yeah. those quirky things that you don't see every day. Yep. Um, whereas the, the likes of the English team, if they're going to those bigger tournaments all the time, they're seeing that at least coming face to face with that a lot more. Exactly. <clears throat> so exactly. I think well, when we were coming up uh, and, and considering um, practice before the next uh, event, we, we, we thought we need to look at more at uh, diversifying the lists that we're playing against, even if we're rep, model repping it or whatever, we just yeah, need to look yeah. at the diver- diversity in the lists. No, that's a good idea, definitely. Um, that's, that's one of the initial things we've sort of talked about in the last week as well, is um, we have become very focused on our rankings and our tournaments, uh, which is, is, is good from the sort of singles point of view and gr- growing the scene and running a Masters at the end of the year and blah, blah, blah. And it's you know, I, I set up the, the rankings and I run the Masters and the main aim with these was to, to grow the scene and, it, and it's done that. Um, mm-hmm. But if you look at it from a Six Nations point of view, uh, it, it, it means everyone's really focused on their own tournaments up here and we, we definitely are not playing as much kind of non-tournament games as, as a group or as a, as a collective of potential players that you just want to play games and, and test things out and get to know each other and get to know other lists like you say so yeah. I think that's one take home that we've, we've got and we're going to try and sort of tweak that a little bit next year um, I think when it, when it comes to practice games as well I think something that we found is that uh, it, it's all too easy from week to week just to get uh, into a pattern of, of bringing armies and trying to beat each other and trying to win games um, uh, what we've tried to shift to as much as possible is treating games as uh, coaching experiences. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, if I was playing against Robbie, for example, uh, uh, he would point out where I've maybe left um, holes in my defences for him to be able to get units of eels in. Or, you know, Dave and I played a game not too long before we headed over where, uh, you know, he just got... Neferata and the dragons too close to woods, and you know, uh, which let me then get a lot more damage into them. So, uh, rather than just seizing on these uh, as uh, opportunities to, to beat your mates when you're playing games, it's yeah. you know, like, actually take a step back and say, look, you shouldn't do that. Do this instead. Um, and um, I know I've I've learned a lot of my own army from that as well as learning a lot about other people's armies because it would be great to actually get a chance to play lots of games against all these armies but if you don't get the chances then you've got every chance you do get you've got to make the most of and you're getting smashed off the table you're not really going to learn very much but if uh, if your opponent's willing to say look don't do that try doing this instead you know you uh, you can learn a lot more from it yeah, hundred percent, and it's yeah a nice sort of greater good philosophy. I like it, um, and the, uh, we've not really mentioned a, bit, a big part of that. I guess is the club that you've that you've set up, uh, Pete. 
which um, from, from I know you sent me a link to it. Just I think is, is it a Facebook page or something? But it's uh, yeah, it looks fantastic. Uh, yeah, it's 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 been coming for a while now. It's called Exploding Dice. Um, we uh, we had a, a a really good club here in Northern Ireland um, going back about uh, sort of four or five years ago. Uh, it was based uh, over in Newton Ards, um, but unfortunately it closed. Um, and whenever it closed, it left a bit of a vacuum. Um, and we uh, we opened up a, a venue um, called Tabletop Tavern, which was because of its location, um, it was really just a tournament venue because people wouldn't travel to it for regular weekly gaming. It was just a bit too far out of the way. Um, but it, it was a great stopgap because it meant we were able to run sort of monthly tournaments and, and, and build the scene up. Uh, but I, I'd always had an eye to finding a venue that was more accessible for people uh, to get in and, and play games, you know, every week um, and uh, play new and different people every week as well. Um, so uh, we managed to get a, uh, a site beside an archery centre uh, in, in Bangor in County Down, uh, which is about sort of 20 minutes outside of Belfast. Um, we're open a couple of nights a week and then on a Sunday, um, and it's wow. it's been a great success. We've got uh, at the minute uh, twelve table capacity, but we're expanding that up to sort of sixteen um, and have the ability to, uh, in sort of in, in open spaces outside the venue to put up folding tables to expand that beyond that. So yep. um, uh, it, it's it's great on a, on a Wednesday night now. The places you know the tables actually demands outstripping supply for the tables, and we're having to um, you know run bookings for it and everything now. So it's great. That's perfect. That's what you, that's what you want. When, when did that open up then? Um, I think it was uh, we we've completed the work on it in February, so it opened in March. Okay, good stuff. So that's had a few months of uh, feeding into the team prep, I guess, as well. Then so it just it just comes full circle, I guess. Uh, yeah, it definitely helped. Uh, cause last year, uh, we you know we we tried to get in team practices once a week, but we were you know it was a, a big drive for some of the guys to get to the old venue, um, and um, you know we were maybe only getting one game in, but with the uh, the more convenient location, you know we were there. Some of us were managing to get in two three games a week, uh, which was a big help. That sounds like the dream. The dream. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, we've I, I I started a sort of really small club here about a year ago, um, but it's really just a, a room in the school that's local to me, um, and we it, it's given it's given me more regular games, but it's kind of once a fortnight we run it, and there's there's probably only like about you know six to ten of us there on, uh, of a night, and it's a mixture of AOS and other stuff like Blood Bowl and Forty K and stuff, but it's a it's kind of the first small step on the, the the bottom rung of the of the dream of the you know the the ultimate sort of gaming club that you can set up which which sounds like you guys have got a, a really good thing going there um that's excellent to hear but yeah definitely try and get across and uh, test it out sometime <laughs> um are you planning any events there maybe in the future pete uh yeah well not now we kind of have it up and running and sort of a lot of the teething problems out of the way we um we, we will be running uh, Age of Sigmar events in it for sure. Um, I think um, uh, we haven't finalised the date yet, but we're going to do a uh, an event in July, uh, just one day, uh, for the uh, launch of the new handbook. Oh, um, cool, yeah. Let everybody let everybody bring out their uh, their new filth once <laughs> the uh, 
the new points land. Um, I'm also really interested to have a look at the uh, the new 1,000 point uh, match play system. Yeah, yeah. So this, this was talked about today, just literally three or four hours ago from from Games Workshop um, sort of uh, Facebook outlet. I saw it on anyway. Um, talking about the new handbook and that it's not like they put a lot of work into this kind of 1K level of match play. Yeah, I think it. It allows you to kind of break up the meta a little bit and um, uh, you know try different things. Uh, and I, I actually think uh, Dave's current Legion of Blood list actually was born out of a thousand point tournament we did last year. Really? Yeah. Any steps of it anyway? Yeah. Uh, I planned to just run skeletons and white kings and stuff, and then everyone started posting up their really broken lists, and I was like, right, I'm gonna teach you. So, <laughs> two dragons, ten dogs. <laughs> I think I think you know by by going down to a thousand points, you you have to think about lists differently. You think about you might you might find certain combinations, and you might find certain um, play styles that you mightn't otherwise think of in a in a, in a larger game. So yeah, yeah definitely. That'd be interesting. I've, I've not played at a thousand points level yet. There, a year ago, there was a couple of events that that, that Liam ran at a thousand point level. Um, but he's not done it since then, so it's uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what comes of that. Um, and definitely, but so, sorry, Dave, when you go, that means uh, you say it's only a one dare, you could get four to five games in instead of three, yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's you're playing more games, exactly. And that's 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 one thing I think has become clear is more, more games definitely helps spread the spread the yeah. sort of uh, variety of games you play as well. So, good stuff. Sure. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely need to get across and see you guys at some point. Um, and it'd be cool to see some of you guys at Common Ground Games sometime as well. Yeah, because yeah, uh, we, we really enjoyed Common Grounds when we were over last year. It's a, it's a great venue to get set up. Yeah, it's great. We're, we're very lucky. It just kind of, uh, it's, it's been with us for about five, six years now, maybe more than that now. But it was certainly around the 8th edition. That's when I started playing. Um, so we're sort of spoiled with that, and everything, everything sort of is the is, is that that's the hub. Um, so we're yeah, we're, we're very lucky. But good stuff, right? Um, anything else? Uh, anything else you want to add? I think I'm done with my list. But uh, any, you guys, want anything else uh, you want to touch on? Um, just that I think the you know Six Nations is really turning into a big landmark event each year. It's yeah. been getting better and better. Um, and the work that Donald did this year to uh, really drive the hype of it with his uh, troll polls, <laughs> and uh, yeah. you know the the, the work that uh, he did with Rob and the Honest Wargamer and, and and covering it, you know, it, it really yeah. made yeah. A, it really felt like a sports event um, while well, we were at it. It really did. So I was watching, obviously, um, and it, honestly, I did not miss not seeing a game being played every every round. It was. Uh, it was almost like a sort of Sky Sports News style of coverage, um, where you're not watching any football, but you're listening to guys talking about it, you know. Um, and it was like that. It was it was really exciting. Um, obviously, I knew a lot of the guys there, so that, that's an extra element to that. But it really worked, uh, especially with Donald running around the tables doing his sort of uh, unbiased to uh, commentaries from <laughs> from uh, and grabbing a few folk for interviews and stuff. It was it was really cool. It really really worked well. Um, so I hope they keep that up. Uh, I think Rob enjoyed it by the sounds of it, and hopefully he'll be on board for the next next few years. You know. Yeah. Um, and by the sounds of it, you guys are keen on a bid. Um, the way it's worked previ- previously is it it goes round everybody. Hopefully, before it goes back to somebody who's hosted it already, which would be 
England year one. Um, so it really leaves you, the Republic, and Sweden. Um, I know Sweden were keen last year. They were they were close, just behind Wales in the in the bidding process uh, for this year. But I don't know if they're planning anything for next year or not. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what comes there. Uh, yeah, uh, we we were we were very close to bidding last year, but um, uh, we just thought we would leave it another year just to really sort of cement the scene locally. Um, yeah. uh, we um, we don't have a venue quite as big as Common Grounds um, or Firestorm Element, etc. You know, yeah. so where we would have to um, hire a venue uh, similar to the way that uh, Paul does when he runs his Bastion events. Yeah. Um, so we just wanted to make sure that we had the terrain and the tables and everything uh, to uh, to hold the event, and we've we've kind of got to that stage now where we're, we 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 do have everything in place. So uh, um, uh, we've just got a couple of different ideas um, on on different venues, and uh, hopefully get that sorted in the next week or two. I think the the bidding process for hosting it ends at the end of June. So end of June. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Cool. Uh, Dave, anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I can think of. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Just put you in the spot there, sorry. Uh, AJ, how about you? No, no, I'm good. No, happy enough. Are you going to try I'm for good, a? Yeah. You can try for a playing spot next year. Uh, <clears throat> depending on how the bidding process goes, then uh, I might have other duties. But um, uh, who knows? I'm certainly certainly not in any close contention at the moment <laughs> <laughs> yeah me neither but I'll be trying <laughs> I think the, the what I should say AJ was actually very close to being on the team this year because um, we the way uh, way our team works is the, the, the last spot on the team's captain's wild card um, sure. and uh, we had uh, sort of three people um, up for that and AJ was one of the three and it was really just down to Neil had slightly more games under his belt this year um, so if you know uh, AJ is a very good player, um, which is why he's a good coach because he you know he understands the game. Yeah. Um, and he yeah. was able to. You need you can't just have anybody walking around. You need somebody that understands the game. Yeah. Um, definitely. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. We've we've run with two wild cards this year. Um, and it, whether we tweak that for next year, I'm not sure yet. But um, we're we're trying to do it as a sort of committee as well. So sort of past players and um, of the last three years, sort of get together and chip a few ideas and, and then vote on it internally so we're trying to make it as open as, as possible and not like an old boys club which we've obviously you've seen the <laughs> seen the allegations down yeah. south about that and stuff so. <laughs> well I think, I think i think most teams are doing it that way now because uh, i mean i've seen i've seen the charter you guys have and it's it's, it's really good um i know mick's got a similar one for the uh, the republic of ireland team yeah um and it's it's all very open it's all very transparent and uh, you know it, it rewards people that put work into it yeah. Um, and it, uh, that being said, it was it was great to see England with uh, you know four new faces this year as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Um, they, also, they had one eye on ETC as well. Is that something that you guys have, have thought about? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd love to get across to Luxembourg next year. Um, oh, is that what it's going to be? Is that I didn't know that. Was yeah. It? Yeah. I think I think the vote was confirmed last uh, about a month and a half ago. Uh, Luxembourg's. Uh, I don't think the dates have been set, but the uh, the the venue's been picked. Oh, um, interesting. 
Um, Serbia was just a stretch too far this year because a lot of guys had, you know, uh, booked multiple events yeah. in England. Yeah. Um, so just financially, it was going to be too much. But um, especially if we host next year and we don't have to make the trip yep. um, for oh, Six Nations, uh, it could it could be an option for us. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Good stuff. Yeah, it's, it's something I think we should try and develop as well up here as as an ETC. You know, the, the, the sort. Of Twin pronged approach to it, and there's the, the player base is growing. I I personally think we could support both. Um, I know the guys are sort of unconvinced at the moment, but um, Six Nations is very much the focus. Um, it, I guess the old <coughs> the old Six Nations in Eighth Edition was always the kind of little sister of the of the ETC, and it was certainly up up with our yep. guys in Eighth Edition. It was the it was the practice event prior to ETC. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think now Six Nations AOS is the it's it's one of the flagship events, you know. Yeah, well, it's it's it, it's 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 very much its own thing now. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think part of the charm this year was, uh, yes, there were new faces there, but we there were a lot of uh, you know uh, people returning from the second or third year, so yeah. we were seeing the same people again, and there was a great community at it. Yeah, I think it's a lot to be said for the continuity. That's that's one other thing we've talked about is um, continuity of things like captain or. Um, players on it as well because you, obviously you do learn you do develop but I mean you look, look at Ireland as well mixed mixed on that for three years in a row um, and there's been clear progress there same, same with you guys um, we've we've tended to chop and change every year but I, I think there's an argument to maybe if you know I don't, not to put ideas into Mike's head but if he's keen then he, he, he was clearly a success from certain aspects this year so um, you know keep it going into next year there's, there's a lot to be said for that I think yeah, it's not a happy medium of, you know, sort of, yes, it's, it's nice to have change and seeing new faces, but at the same time, getting that sort of centre pillar, holding it all together with the experience from previous years, knows the people, knows the players, you yeah. know, um, can share that insight. It's good. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Right, well, I think we've talked enough. It's uh, been a couple of hours of listening to me blabber on, so... Um, just finish up uh, there. I think uh, you guys. Uh, I know Pete. You're on Twitter. What's uh, the rest of you guys on Twitter or anything? You want to shout out your uh, Twitter uh, handles? No, not on Twitter. No. I'm at Pete AOS. Cool. And there's the Northern Ireland team as well, isn't there? There's the everyone's kind of got one of them now from the for the Six Nations, which occasionally yeah. come to life. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, ours was dormant for about six months, and then yeah. a couple of a couple of weeks out. Um, the uh, it's uh, as far as I remember, it's at AOS underscore NI for the team NI one. I think it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. <coughs> if you if you look at the the uh, at AOS six AOS SIX uh, account that Donald's kind of picked up of John, you'll you'll find a lot of the of the handles in there. Um, so yeah, well, good stuff. Uh, big thanks to you guys. Well, well done on this year. It was uh, it was excellent to see, and we'll, we'll certainly be picking your brains going forward. Um, big thanks to Donald as well, because I know he well. Hopefully, he'll be listening, um, and he's obviously a big part of the NI scene, and he, he did great work this year. So big shout out to him. Maybe we'll see him playing next year. Who knows? Yeah, he he actually said to me he's he, he's keen to get back playing again. I think he missed it a little bit this year. Um, but um, he's he's gonna have to qualify this year. Um, <laughs> he kind of he kind of he, he, kinda, he uh, had a, an easy job of it the first two years, um, but it's a, it's a 
more, going to be more of a fight for him this year. Yeah, I think everyone's seen that now. It's, it's tough. Once you're out, it's hard to get back in. I'm, I'm, I'm finding that as well myself now. So Anyway, we'll, we'll keep trying. Great stuff. Well, thanks very much for that. That's been brilliant. Um, and we'll, I'm going to leave you with uh, someone's choice of an outro track. I don't know if it's Pete picking it or you can fight amongst yourselves and let me know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Some, yeah. Something awesome's coming up, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm picking that one. <laughs> Cap, Captain's prerogative. <laughs> the most musically minded one as well, so it's probably a good idea. <laughs> good stuff. Well, uh, cheers. cheers. Thanks. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers, Scott. Thank you. Thank you. No worries.